0: Uh, it'll just be a normal long walk, short drink, cluster fuck conversation <laughs> that just goes in circles. And I've had a boner for the last twenty minutes. Yeah,
1: it just happens.
2: <laughs> so Twinkie, what have you been up to beyond uh, uh, getting
3: tattoos and growing, your, growing a mullet? The mullet is in a place in our culture where it requires a constant defense. I'm here to change all that.
0: all right I just remembered now that we've gone live too uh, I totally was going to say Twinkie if you wanted to mute your camera you could have done that but <laughs> too late now hi hi
3: Twinkie hey Hey, welcome uh, to uh, Long Walk Short Drink episode 27 I'm so excited you invited me to your podcast yeah this is the episode
0: that you're on isn't that awesome man <laughs> the, this is incredible
3: that's a cool coincidence I really am excited to be on, once again, talking oh, with you two man. beautiful, beautiful gentlemen.
0: We are so excited
2: to have you back, dude. You're looking good. You got, you're growing your hair yeah. out for the summer, it looks
3: like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm going for the mullet, actually. <laughs> yes. I, I really am. Yes. I, it's, it's early on. I actually had shaved my head dramatically, as you saw before. And yeah. uh, so if I would turn around, you can see it, it's generally mulleting. Going to get some length. Going to really get... Um, Little business in front and the party in the back happening. So, speaking of party, I see something on your arm there that
2: that I didn't notice before. Yeah, is that new?
3: Yeah, this is new. This is. Oh, let's see how I can. stand up just so you can see it. So I'm gonna talk for just a second. That's awesome.
0: Oh my goodness, that is beautiful. It's
3: a tiger lily. My daughter's middle name is Lily. Um, Awesome. I've been wanting to get something to commemorate her the joy and the wonderment she brings to my life. So,
0: you know, like, I'm just like, I'm so, that's so beautiful. It's just, it's a beautiful tattoo. I really like that. Those organic tattoos like that, like those flowers. Uh. Yeah. I
3: got a tattoo when I turned 30. Oh yeah? now significantly older than that. Um, so it's been a while since I had, I've gotten a tattoo. So, um, it was nice to get in there and do it again. I'd kind of forgotten the, both the joy and the sorrow of the process. But yeah, I, art, right? Yeah, that's what. <laughs> What's it's your other art? tattoo? It's.
2: <clears throat> oh, yeah. my other
3: tattoo is um, this girl. Whoa. Oh yes, I have a pinup girl too. Yeah, she's a my cowgirl back. riding a rocket ship.
2: Hot. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty. What's awesome. the significance of that
3: one? You know, I. I I've lost a little bit of my fascination but still have this interesting fascination with uh mid-century US history um and kind of what it both says and doesn't say about sensibilities um that we have now um and it's just kind of a, that and you know, like some World War 2 airplane art from my work in aviation and so it's kind of a combination of things but that that mid-century period I find pretty fascinating that's cool so as a history person um that that's kind of what that denotes
1: that's awesome i just
0: i like pinup girls and (laughs) (laughs) that's. i think it's beautiful art you just got lost in the pinup girl
2: i could see it in his face
0: (laughs) I, i mean like Mine's, mine's, a, mine's a Sailor Jerry. So it's like, oh, it's, yeah. there's not a, There's not a ton of definition. Yours is like really
3: nice. Man, is it gorgeous. Yeah, it took a long time. I, I, that was my first tattoo, and I didn't realize, you know, I didn't know anything about the process. And yeah, I'd you know, drink the water and do the stuff beforehand. But I, I feel like I was almost in shock at the end of it. My body was just exhausted. Oh. Uh, I, I don't think it, unless until you have a tattoo, and it was like a, almost a five hour session for my first one.
0: Wow. Um, so I was That's a really long session. I'm surprised they let you go that
3: long for yeah. the first time. Yeah. I mean, he the, the 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 gentleman was very professional in making sure yeah. it was okay and everything, but it was like, ah, uh, I just want to keep going. Um there there could be some touch up done on it, but I've kind of it's a it's just a part of of a piece of time, you know, and I you can go up I and mean, add colors or define stuff a little better, but I, I kind of just like that it is what it is. Yeah. And its imperfections and its greatness, you know, both sides of it that make it, um, mine. So, you know, I, I can totally
0: get behind that. Um, all of mine have some, they're just aging, you know, like I had the Coca-Cola yeah. one on my arm. I got when I was 18, that was my first one. And then, you know, all the other ones throughout time. And then I, I totally, first off you probably were in shock. I totally can corroborate that can happen when i was getting uh i have a koi that goes across my entire back and uh i don't know i was like three or four sessions on that i did that in like two or three hour sessions at a time yeah okay and uh i don't know i was like four sessions in and we were driving home and i had to pull over and have and like have ash switch because i was shaking so bad i was like babe i can't even bring i still smoked back then i was like i can't even get the cigarette to my mouth i'm shaking so bad like you gotta you gotta drive so that shock can totally happen but at the same time too like man that endorphin kick is just like it is awesome when it when it when it when it happens yeah and i
3: i you know my uh wonderful partner and daughter and um son came in for just 15 minutes to, to watch it happen. And so it was really cool for my daughter to see, you know, the process. And I'd never been in a tattoo shop, you know, uh, due to my upbringing until I was, I mean, I had gone prior to my actual tattoo, but you know, late to mid twenties and it's filled with all kinds of stereotypes and whatnot. And so it's nice to just expose her to all kinds of, all kinds of different uh, approaches and, experiences to life whatever big or small subcultures really cool. yeah yeah all those different stuff that's good absolutely that's awesome man yeah, yeah. next one's going to be i live in a neighborhood of denver called stapleton which um is a uh, an old airport the old airport is called stapleton So i told my coworkers i'm gonna get stapleton right across my neck it's gonna oh, be my, that's
1: gonna so be awesome. my
3: next one I'm just gonna go go for it no no like teardrops at the corner of the no, eye. Just big no. neck tattoo.
0: <laughs> yeah. I say go for it. Yeah that's awesome. Uh you could also go the eye like the funny route and get like a red stapler or whatever. Oh or right. Like, yeah. Uh, right. A a a staple, you know, like uh what is that like critters three or whatever when he he like does the playmate and he has the staple on his stomach.
1: Right. Exactly. Get
0: that double D Crit- <laughs> critters two or critters three. I think that's critters two, actually. Critters too. add that one to the, to the database. Um, how about we crack a beer guys? Yeah. I, uh,
2: oh man, there it is. Oh, what is that? So,
3: that looks incredible.
0: Okay. So, um, I went with the entire Lithuania line tonight.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> we have this, there's this really amazing beer store that's in our neighborhood. Uh shout out to, um, Belmont Party Supply and uh, they have every it's on one end there's a sub shop and the other end is a convenience store and in between there's a brew shop a liquor store a craft beer store an import wine store all and you can walk from one end to the other and go to all those shops like once you go inside one of them. And apparently and so, you, walk,
3: you can walk through Lithuania somewhere.
0: Yeah. And so they have all, they have the international aisle and there is one set of Lithuania beers that are all from the same brewery. And this is the one that I've had before. So this is called Werewolf. Oh, Look I'll right into the phone. There you go.
3: <laughs> did you buy it simply um, because it's a badass label? I mean, yeah, that, of
0: course I did. Look at yeah, it. It says I, Werewolf. I, and then it, it taunts you that you are not man enough to drink it. It says, <laughs> it says, you must be sure you want to taste it. That's the, that's, that's the like tagline on it. So that's what you, that is what you said. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: it, but it, 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 it dares you to be man and en- that you're not man enough to drink it. Yeah.
3: I would buy that because of like, I don't even, you know, if Palmer just stopped, there, I don't really care what kind of beer it is.
0: Yeah, uh, so it is. It's eight point two percent. Oh, so that's a the, big, big bottle, isn't it? Yeah. So, and well, I have four of these. That's dangerous. And the, <laughs> no, but listen to this. So the lowest one, all of them have these bright red labels, ABV labels, right? Except for the lowest one, which that one is eight percent. So it didn't. That doesn't merit the like bright red warning label. Really then this one's 8.2 and then the other one is 8.4 and then the the big daddy is 12.0 ABV like whoa, it's
2: whoa that's almost that's, wine
0: yeah that's got to be a barley wine there's no <sighs> way that's you know so uh in that one it's called before and after and it's a uh, it's like when the bottle is right side up, it looks like a maiden, and when you tilt the bottle upside down like you're drinking it, it's like an old hag <laughs> and it's like oh, yeah nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, but they're all from the same brewery in Lithuania, uh, and they're all cheap, like this is like two fifty um, and that's like a beer and a half in there, you know uh two fifty, nice. the most expensive one, I think was three, so. It was $9 for all four of them. Nice. Well, let's crack this open and get this, okay. this get this party started.
2: Oh, shit. I didn't bring out a glass. <laughs> Hold on. You, you want to go okay. get... I can't oh, drink okay. it on a can. It's not that kind of beer. Oh. Sorry. Uh,
0: all right. Oh, we're waiting. All right. No, go ahead. We'll get them on the next one. Oh. And this stuff is muddy. That is one thing I can say about it. Cheers, buddy.
3: Yeah, cheers.
1: Oh, actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was.
3: Man, look at that beer pour. That's impressive. Nicely done, sir. Yeah, check that out, huh? Just The tiniest bit of head to give some aroma.
1: Yep, yep. This is where I just a little bit. came back
3: right there.
2: to hear the tiniest bit of head. <laughs> the title of the Sad. episode.
0: <laughs> Sadly, that could be the subtitle to my memoirs. <laughs>
2: Did you, okay, you crack. I'm cracking on my own. Well, yeah, yeah. Crack it. I actually I left just, work.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh did you, yeah? You got say, your I'm, standby. I'm going with the standby. I'm just going with the standby. The old. I, they didn't have it.
0: Um, I I tried to get it. They didn't have it. Uh, oh. it said zero. Which t- but it so it was in their system. So I think they do get it. They just didn't have any. And I tried to find uh Furious, and they don't have any of the surly beers, Dave. I could see that. And actually, I was.
2: I'm just about to tell you that I left work a little early today and stopped at a beer store because I've been trying to find that werewolf and I've asked about it and they just don't carry him around.
0: We should parts. do, we should do a beer exchange and I'll buy some beers down here oh, yeah. that you can't get. And then you get some that I can't get I like and it. just ship them. We'll just ship them back and forth. We'll get the, if it fits in chips boxes. Oh, you can't ship booze in those. Never mind. You got to ship it. They like freak out. We tried to ship a bottle of booze to my stepmom and they were like you can't ship alcohol.
3: That's lame. You
2: can
0: go fuck yourself now. <laughs> Amazon's taking your job.
3: That's what I'm saying. Like you're going to work you have for like like Utah where they don't. Yeah. It's all locked down and It's
0: whatever. just so crazy. Well, I mean there's what it is is there's still all the way from prohibition there is are still crazy anti-bootlegging laws like oh. i i i'm sure there's still some things on the books that you can't cross county lines in like some of the southern states probably without like certain alcohols or certain alcohol contents yeah without like violating some law you know um i mean it's the same thing with the cigarettes if you go like if you're traveling up in New York and you like pass by the reservations that have the like 15 dollar cartons of cigarettes you're technically not supposed to leave the reservation or something, some crazy rule about it. But of course everybody does, but if they catch you with them, then you have to pay the taxes on them or you get fine. Cited, sure. You know? So, um,
3: yeah. Well, it's, uh, I, I mean, this, I don't know, whatever it is, this, this fear of these substances, I the, don't actual, know. the actual fear should be the fear of ourselves. But I think we get to talk yep. about that a little later.
0: <laughs> yep. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like two guys that just want to like, I just want to give you some beer that you can't get. And I want some right. beer that I can't get, you know?
3: Yeah. So I went to um, a conference in Texas, uh, a video game conference called QuakeCon. And on one of the oh, various Reddit nice. boards, there was a guy coming from Vermont and a really famous hoppy beer from there. And I was like, Hey, I would really like this beer. Can't even think of the name right now, which is embarrassing, but I was like, is there anything from Colorado you want? He listed off like two or three things. I shoved them in my suitcase, and then when we got there, we swapped them out. Nice. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so that was kind of a cool thing to be able to do to experience. But you're right, just mailing it ends up causing grief and woe.
0: Yeah, it, um, it was really sad. I wanted to send, actually, my stepmom for her birthday, I wanted to send her uh, in December— uh, Dayton has a opened a uh, micro distillery that started with vodka, and now they have vodka and whiskey and rum. I think, um, and the vodka is it's better than Tito's, and that is saying something because Tito's is my favorite. Tito's is my jam.
1: I think the bride's uh, been
0: getting
2: Tito's lately. I recognize oh, that name. it's so
0: good! It, like I can just drink Tito's on the rocks. It's that good. Ooh, and vodka nice. normally, it's the first vodka I've had that doesn't taste like rubbing alcohol.
2: <laughs> I'll have to try it if there's any left. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. I meant to have, I was going to have a, a, a Lef- I have a bottle of the Frog downstairs, which is a really good scotch oh. that
3: I, I You're got. You're going to
0: have that up with you for this?
3: Yeah. I was just going to have like a scotch on the rocks. Just, just I don't, like know, I don't feel on. like I'm classy enough for that. I feel like I'm.
0: No, I, I'm, I'm wearing a. Fucking strap shirt! you're Like what? What? Where is the class? There's no
2: class. Like, well, you for, you you did change into that strap shirt from a different
0: less because yeah because strap I shirt. well that the other strap shirt was had dinner on the front of it. That's oh. the only reason I changed. Oh. If it wouldn't have had dinner on it, I would have totally just been like in that less formal, which I hadn't even thought of. But it is totally a less formal strap shirt. So. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: oh, like black man. tie
2: but it's black strap shirt
0: It's not about <laughs> class it's about what tastes good And like LaFrogue tastes like A caramel sundae That you drink out of a glass It's so good Oh
1: it's Really good scotch to me.
0: <laughs> really so Twinkie, good
2: What gr- have you been up to beyond uh, uh, Getting tattoos And growing, your, growing a mullet <laughs> uh, You know how yeah right?
3: <laughs> Mulleting is in the Mulleting is a full time job I don't know if you know this or not <laughs> Um, yeah, mulleting is full Because here's the thing
0: I can't stop laughing at mulleting
1: <laughs>
3: You have you're, The mullet is in a place in our culture Where it requires a constant defense
1: <laughs> Go on
3: mulleting has been high
2: attention
3: <laughs> Mulleting has been hijacked By People of lesser taste In history
0: that was and, a very, very, very well chosen word.
3: Yeah, and 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 there is a, a a view that a person with a mullet may not be intelligent, or or may have poor taste in a hairdresser, <laughs> etc. I'm here to change all that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> Oh, man. I've taken wow. it on my shoulders. <laughs> uh, literally. Well, it's very, very good. Um and, and to address this. Um and honestly, even just I'm 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 very people looking probably can't even tell. It doesn't really look like it, but it requires some, some real effort. You, you take the sides out, the hair, the top grows. You still have to trim the top a little bit. The back the back it's more of, if you will, a euro mullet wherein it is trimmed a little bit back towards the center of.
1: Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. It doesn't
3: take up the entire. That's an Eastern Euro. That's not a Euro. That's an Eastern (laughs) Euro. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you know more about this than I do apparently. No, no, no. I I
0: just, I love the The well, the joke is always like the Eastern Europeans are like Europe, they say is like so many years behind our trends. Oh, right. You know, And then Eastern Europe is, like, even, like, is three more decades behind that, like. um, Sure. So.
3: Well, you know, and there's a process. If you've ever tried to do something with your hair, there's always the in-between time, right? The time Uh, where you are transitioning from one hairstyle to the other, where it's just a giant fucking disaster. (laughs) Oh, it's Um, terrible. Yeah. That happens with beards, too. Oh, right. Yes, absolutely. Where it's just in that middle zone.
0: But beards, the dead zone, I feel like there's oh shit. Uh, I think I I <laughs> uh, I think with beards though, there's multiple of those periods where it's like it looks like shit, and then all of a sudden you get like three weeks where it looks awesome, and then that it gets to another length, and it has to like go through this molting stage again where it looks like shit before it looks awesome and full and even fuller again. You know, like. Uh ugh, I wish just, I knew that yeah. was
3: like I can't grow beards or, or yeah. I mean, I just look like serial killerish and or pedophileish yeah. facial hair so I don't
0: You just got to own it that's I yeah, mean that's uh, true. any any like just like you're fucking owning a mullet I couldn't I couldn't pull off a mullet It's true you know, like, Maybe once I get through this and, mullet
3: yeah. thing the the nasty facial hair will be next
0: Oh, and man, then the you'd be tattoo. like a real live Joe Dirt and the fucking <laughs> neck tattoo. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, I can see a long walk, short drink documentary somewhere <laughs> like five years down the line being made. Of course. And like we're reluctantly like dragging our friends into interviews, except Twinkie is like all for it. And he has all of those things like this epic mullet. The neck tattoo that says Stapleton. <laughs> yeah. Like all of it. Like he's got the whole
3: look. Hey, I'm and living he just, this long walk short drink stuff, man. Yeah, this just isn't yeah. a, this isn't a broadcast podcast to me. This is life. No, oh, that's, that's awesome. Right. Let me
2: share with Twinkie what I woke up to this morning. I woke up to a text <clears throat> from Pumps that says oh, yeah. simply. Sorry, there ended up being a lot more to follow. Yeah, 733 AM this morning. Simply, I love the podcast. And yeah. actually there oh, were more man. after it. And then later on and during the day, said, let me know when you have a guest slot
3: available. Oh my <laughs> God. That I'm pumps. Yeah. I'm gonna make an appeal to you as a guest. This isn't my podcast. But I if there is a guest slot that I'm filling that you want, it's yours. Take it. Whoa. I want to hear Pumps on Long Walk, Short Drink. Let's you make know. this happen. Challenge accepted.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: When and he said, and I already, t- I was like, when I say, it said, said some, I essentially modified the your first episode title to which was Cabin Kids Volume One, and Twinkie. It's so like Cabin Kids Volume Two, Pumps. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get ready. And I, I know people listening might not be like, who's that? Some folks, but. You're in for a treat. I, he's one of the guys.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I so the cabin kids were we were all like all of us had a very distinct personality that arguably I don't think if any one circumstance was off by a little bit I don't think it would have worked,
2: <laughs>
1: right? <Probably
0: not. laughs> because it was just so many huge like personalities yep. and. And subtle personalities and fragile personalities. And uh, I I think all of us were kind of like fragile a little bit. I did not know that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So. But I think, though, if you were to synthesize, though, like the cabin into one kid, it's got to be pumps. I think like (laughs) I could see that. Yeah, I, I feel like pumps is on the periphery of every great cabin story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know.
3: I've, I an unfiltered look to the best of his memory back at that experience would be incredible to me. I mean, yeah. just him and an honest reflection. I would. That would be of great value to me personally. Um, I mean, positive or negative, whatever, whatever it is, just a real honest reflection would be.
0: Of the time of the cabin time, yeah,
3: yeah, of the cabin time. Both from like how he was experiencing uh, it, but also looking back, if he can recall, kind of both of those.
0: I think that that's totally going to happen if we're going to go down this cabin kid route. I, I mean, I think any time we bring somebody on from that era, it that it should just the first time they're on, they should just get a cabin kid episode. You know what I mean, like.
3: Oh, yeah, that'd be because
0: I I want I want that so like we could listen to all of those cabin kid episodes together and like really get this good analysis Uh, because I still and I know I've said it before when Twinkie's been on. I still wonder, like, did other people like what what are other people's cabins like what? What does that group of friends look like? Were we just filling archetypes, or were we were we as unique as I feel like we were, you know? Um but I love I love that idea of having this like case study of like, you know that um what's that like David Linkletter anthology movie? Uh the boyhood where he followed like that boy boyhood for like 16 years or whatever. And then there's like that documentary in britain uh it's like called sevens or something like that where they follow seven kids and they touch back with them every seven years of their lives and now they're like 77 years old like so the and they started when they were seven years old and now they're in their 70s and they've they've gotten back with them every seven years for this documentary to like kind of just like see where these kids have at and You've watched them grow up, like, over the years. Uh, it's been happening since, like, the 60s or whatever. Um, I guess I've been kind of doing that in a way <laughs> as best <yeah>. I can. <laughs> and you really have. And I think, though, like, this would be, like, the next notch on that ladder, on that, like, case study of of this group of people, you know, um, would make a fascinating, like, time capsule to just, like, that we just, like keep adding one more collection of like reflection to this pile of that time capsule you know that where it just keeps growing but if you ever wanted to like figure out how to like synthesize the cabin you would have to look at the whole thing all together and like see how we're still re i'm like i love the idea of like t- reflecting with twinkie now or with with pumps now um uh, on his like I, I'm totally with you, Twinkie. Like, I want to know, I want to see the cabin
3: through his eyes. Right. Absolutely. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Not, not just saying what, you know, he thinks people want to hear or anything like, and not that he would do that, but just no a real honest reflection of it. I, and maybe the cabin is viewed through our current, where we are currently in our lives uh, to some degree, um, Not that 20 years, just a nice round number and and doesn't really mean anything, but for some of us, 20 years is coming up pretty quick for the bulk of us that were part of the cabin from when we were out of high school. Dave, you've crossed that barrier. Congratulations. (laughs) Of being out of high school for 20 years. But, I mean, you know, it's been some time in between that and a lot of life has happened to people and people have made good and bad choices, I'm sure, and it'd be interesting to see through that lens. Absolutely. How they've been shaped if at all or how they've been affected by those experiences. I love
0: those max those max pictures though. Like Man, that kids adorable.
3: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Pumps makes
1: cute kids, that's, that's for sure. That's right,
2: yeah. I it's a, I actually um we were talking about this documentary idea or whatever the the chronicling of these this group of friends over the years. Uh, I guess it's been two years almost now ago, I put out an album and uh, there was a song on there that I literally wrote like about that topic. And um, I've been working on a documentary about that album. It's kind of a long story, but the, 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 the point to bring it up now is that I'm working on this scene about that song. So I'm going through a lot of that footage to as B roll to kind of illustrate as I talk about, um, as I try to expound upon the song for the for the interviewer, and uh, it's been fun to to see like all those people twenty years ago. Um, yeah, you know, I like literally last night I'm like making note like use the shot of Jacko driving up the driveway from the Dreaming Out Loud documentary. And then used from the one video, the you know, Bauman walking into the cabin because you can see the cabin. And it's, uh oh, yeah, wow. I mean, I wrote that whole thing in a lot of that album, uh, the album called The Furious Light, really reflecting on, and I realized at a certain point that the heart of that whole piece was the the the, f- the fallout of having a, an experience like that. And, you know, almost 20 years later, not not having that, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a great loss if you don't maintain it very well, which I had not Those, a lot of those relationships and, um, yeah. So it's, a uh, it's definitely something that, that's been on my mind a lot too. So it's been really nice to reconnect with cabin kids, like the two of you and pumps, uh, on record, of course,
3: <laughs> but absolutely. Well. Yeah, absolutely. That's, oh, yeah, no, that's great. I, and, well, and, and th- frankly, Dave, um, I realize that you're doing it for intrinsic things because of of who you are as a person and it's valuable to you, but kudos to you for sticking with it and for, you know, there have been some long chunks of time where people aren't connected and when it does happen, there's a warmth and a welcomeness, um, which we've we've talked about before, but um, for still be willing to, still be willing to uh, make yourself available to do all those things. (laughs)
0: <laughs> absolutely and like I, I i don't know you just find the sheer joy that you you find joy in doing that like it's of course you have joy in the finished product but you also thoroughly enjoy the process so
2: yeah, yeah absolutely otherwise well, i wouldn't do it
0: <laughs> well of course um <laughs> well that, i mean but I guess it's maybe just that's like it, obvious, but. It, it, it's so i mean your enjoyment is so obvious that you can see you enjoying it while you're in that process where most people would get stressed out and not really enjoy the process. Um, and so, which could, um, overshadow the final product, but because you enjoy the process so much, then the product is even more celebrated. Um, there is nothing more humbling, to, or I, I humbling is probably not the right word. It's just like it is. It's just really nice to see you treat the the, the like homemade documentaries that we of us. Yeah, I'm the shout factory of like just these people. Yeah, know. just as <laughs> yeah, just as reverently as your like you know limited edition run of Eraserhead. That
2: yeah, I absolutely you, do you know. That. that is that's a good thing. That's a Thank you for, I guess, noticing that, or that's how I think of it in some, and I've been kind of working on that to create this library because it's not really for anyone else. And a lot of it, you know, my, my own work included or creative contributions there like, are not of a caliber that is worthy of being shared with anyone outside of myself or, you know, somebody asks about it now and again. Um, But that that overview or that kind of the library of people's creative work that I know and love. I feel like I've gotten to I'm really privileged to know this group of people that I've gotten to know. And I value their creative output I think much more than they do in a lot of instances. Like Pumps made a record with not even a record. Pumps performed one time with Logan as a group called Underhung in a basement and they were I think he was like super drunk and had had and very sick. <laughs> and didn't play especially well, but That group of songs was fantastic. I could see him in it as a person. They had a voice of their own. Uh, uh, I was like, this is great stuff. He he just did it once and that's it. And, And recently, like 20 years, it was literally 20 years later, I made like a bootleg digital album of that. Which actually anyone could find and download on Dreaming Out Loud com. Everything's free. I'm
0: writing, I'm writing that down right oh,
2: now. Oh, do yourselves like, a favor. I, like, it's very fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, hope,
3: I hope pumps know that once your name is said more than 10 times on the, the show, you, you are yeah. uh, contractually, legally, and metaphysically obligated yes. to be on the broadcast and podcast that's i think I he mean, might just pop up things. like beetlejuice now yeah <laughs> yeah
2: all right let's stop sucking each other's dicks and talk about something that other people can
0: relate to <laughs> like the dead zone
1: oh. um,
0: yeah. i so wish this soundboard thing worked because i have i have like he doesn't become walking until until he says this where he's like this Oh, it's not even painted. Now oh, it's not
1: even working at all. Or he's just like, the ice is gonna
0: break. Yeah,
1: that's the, the first, first time. Like, that's like the first time. Yeah. And
0: it's <laughs> it's one hour and nineteen minutes into the movie. Like that's how long it takes before he becomes Chris Walkman. Up to that, like, that's the thing that you have to understand is like before I really feel like before prophecy, any movie he was in before prophecy. He just, he wasn't Chris Walken. He was just a really, really traditional actor like um, Christopher Lee, right? Like, even though he was playing Dracula, he still played it like a really traditional English actor, right? Um yeah. and, and I feel like that's what Chris Walken did. But then, like, I, I, so I just see something happening behind the scenes at the Prophecy where the director was just like, listen. You know, and and he, like, has this, like, B-roll of all of these little snippets of his career up to that point. Like, the ice! It's gonna break! And, like, all of that. Like, and he just plays this. He's like, you see how you are in these little snippets right here? I need you to do... I want the whole movie like that. You act like that for the entire movie. And then he got this cult following... And so he was just like, I'm just, that's just who I am now. You <laughs> yeah. know, like, I know that's nowhere near the truth and that's not what it is at all. But in my heart, that's what I, that's what's going to happen. Like, that's yeah. how it worked. Like, I mean,
3: I remember when he was, do you remember this live broadcast? I think it was NBC where he was in uh, Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He was Captain Hook. And I remember being somewhat like, how does that make any sense? But then doing research, not realizing that Walken was a, a stage guy. He yeah. was trained in stage work and dance and you know all of these traditional arts that that kind of lead up to acting but that's his background he he wasn't um I'm going to I want to be an actor and so I'm going to start you know acting it was all of these other facets he of was performance. classically trained he was a classically
0: yeah. trained performer not even an actor cuz he could sing dance he was a triple threat
1: like yeah. I learned that on... He uh, is, is a triple threat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I, I, dead now. yet. Don't <laughs> talk about me. Like
0: oh, man.
2: I learned uh, on the Inside the actor Studio, Um, he talks about loving dance and trying to throw a little dance move in every one of his movies. I don't know if he's kept his yeah. streak up, but even in something like The King of New York, he does this little... Ballet move kind of it's Unexpected <laughs> to say The least Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, I, I know Like everybody talks about early Or er, early walking performances talks About like deer hunter right that's a really Yeah because that's the, like a, The Russian roulette scene with him in that yep. movie is b- it, it, Intense yeah it's crazy like That would be on that b-roll for the prophecy Like when he's when the director's Like this is the character I want that scene Would be on that b-roll too
2: yeah, or the scene like towards the end where he's kind of like he's just like doing that in in the in Southeast Asia somewhere. Like, he's he's doing that game, but a lot, and he's like stone faced. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to the first time he does it with De Niro and the guys on their captivity, that he, he's like. You know, shaking and crying, and it's this. Actually, I've only had the courage to watch that movie once. <laughs> I've never yep. been brave enough to go back to it. So I've, I, I've never seen it, it like... all the
0: way through. I, I've only seen it in tidbits because it gets so intense. It's but...
2: worth it's worth a full view. It's 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 long too. It's like it's got these like sections, some of which are very s- sort of slow and not much happens, and then others are really intense, like those those scenes. But yeah, that was a different guy. That's not the guy the ice is going to break is a real breakthrough in his kind of um, performance style
0: i know that like a lot of people look back at that as like his like one of his big roles but as a kid a movie that i happened to see just like the middle 20 minutes of that had this huge impact on me that he was in is at close range with sean penn fuck yeah oh yeah that movie is crazy good he's so intense in that movie. And the, the scene that I saw, like, cause I didn't see the whole thing just like, and I mean, I was young when I saw this, it and it was just like happened to flip through the channels and it was on, and it was on this scene. And it's where he's teaching Sean Penn, how he launders money, like one way to launder money, where he like buys a car at one buy here, pay here dealership. And then drives the car across the street to the, like buy here, pay here dealership across the street and it's like I don't like the way the seats feel like the guy's like didn't you just buy that car from across the street he's like I don't like the way the seats feel like he just does his Chris <laughs> walking thing and like my first time I said it was much better walking than that second time you've done some great ones so uh, you should feel proud Uh, <laughs> uh but uh that movie because later on when he's like really threatening Sean Penn like he like he gets really scary. Oh, like, super scary! Yeah, too. Like so, Sean Penn and Chris Penn are his sons,
2: uh, real yeah. life brothers, and um, yeah, he's oh god, what is that? What's and he's the just this like for that movie. The, the he's just like line. this like
0: redneck, redneck crime boss, you yeah.
3: know, or like ringleader. Yeah, the, I uh, think I actually want to live in a world where Sean and Chris Penn are really Chris Walken's sons. Isn't that, is
0: that you know what? <laughs> Thank you for their perspective that yeah. th- we do need to reflect on that. Cause that is awesome. That'd be, oh, that'd that'd be totally yeah. legit. Yeah. That's, Shit. that's, you know, I, I, that makes me
2: want to rewatch that movie. I mean, that's Sean Penn, Christopher Walken, Mary Stuart Masterson, Chris Penn. Um, who else? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Crispin Glover, Oh, that's
0: so man. Fucking great. That's a huge. That's I need to watch that whole thing now. Yeah. Like I, I want to watch, watch that
2: it. it. The uh, it's a 1986 movie directed by James Foley. The single sentence synopsis of which is: In 1978, rural Pens- Pennsylvania, an absentee father is reacquainted with his estranged teenage sons, and they become intrigued with romanticized life of crime. There, uh, I I actually first watched that movie because of the movie Seven. Really? Um, yeah. So you know the end uh, of seven, <laughs> we've talked about on this show. Yeah. Uh, what's in the what's box? In the box? <laughs> the whole thing and the way that I oh, love is that they movie? have the
3: big birthday party and hug and there's <laughs> <Yes>. like sparkles. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one. That's what comes that's out the, of the box. And, and you find out that <laughs> none of
0: the none of the se- other six people were actually killed. It was right. all just a big elaborate stun. Yeah. And that's <laughs> right. Oh, I totally forgot Everybody about gets the puppies. Of that.
2: Everybody right. gets puppies. Puppies. Yeah. 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 Oh shit. Well, that thing at the end where the whole what's in the box, like, reaction, where he's like, oh, God, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. It's kind of easy to make fun of in some ways, but um, it was, like, affecting to me at the time, and I I don't know where I heard or read him say this, but Brad Pitt said that he took his inspiration for how to emotionally approach that scene from the final scene in that close range, which when I found out starred Whoa. those people, I was like, well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and when you see that movie and you compare those two endings, you understand. And actually Sh- Sean Penn's is in a courtroom and he's, well, it doesn't spoil too much to say, basically all he's trying to do is get one single word out on the stand. Yeah. He's just trying to think, say yes or no, something like that. I'm not even sure but he goes through a similar, you see him go through something before he's able to say it. And he's not going like, Oh God.
0: Uh (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, but there's that. No, I know exactly what you're talking about though, because he like, it's where he's like, he's robot face. I'm about to shoot like, yeah, he's like trying to the hold face. the gun up, and he kind of can't. Yeah.
2: And then he's like, "I shouldn't." And, and he then, drops like it. the
0: next scene, he turns around and he's like, his all squinched and he's crying." And then he's like robot face again, and then he's yeah. crying and like, "Yeah, exactly." Yeah, um, I know, I know. I feel like we should back up just a little bit because God
2: forbid someone comes into this and it's like, "What are they talking about?" So we read walking. *The whole Dead*. We're Town,
1: talking right? about walking. And now hey. we're talking about the movie. <laughs>
3: Walken fell through some ice? What is happening? I don't right. know what's
0: going on. <laughs> the bad news for the war effort. Oh, shut up! <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're just keeping me alive.
3: Letting uh, you die slower. Slower.
2: <laughs> Thank you, uh, Jerry. I'm touched.
0: <laughs> Fuck that. We we'll just do the
2: prophecy. <laughs> oh
0: man. I should have watched the prophecy, actually. i I I was. So, all right. You wanted to, you wanted to like bring everybody back up to speed. So we're going to do, so uh, this is, we've episode 27, long, long, short drink episode 27, where we are joined by none other Twinkie himself, and we are wrapping up the dead zone book club. This is the last episode that we're just going to kind of devote the episode to catching up with twinkie and we'll spiral into dead zone and we'll probably talk about the movie a little bit and then we'll talk about a little more twinkie stuff and uh it'll just be a normal long walk short drink clusterfuck (laughs) conversation that just goes in circles and if you didn't join us for minute one you're screwed so i don't know why you would just come in an hour into this conversation but if you did Hit back and go back to minute one, because otherwise you're not going to know dick what we're talking about. Episode (laughs)
1: one. Yeah, yeah,
0: episode one. Yeah, I don't mean minute one shit. Did I say minute one? No. That's all right. I mean all the way back to the like 517 hours worth of conversations. And start over. This is the, like, episode 27, one hour, three minute, 50 seconds in? Really? That's where you decided to start this podcast? What the fuck is wrong with you? At least start the whole, at the episode beginning. Like, go back to something. Anyways, now that you've caught up to where we are now, that took some
3: doing, didn't it?
0: That was well, well said.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Um... You can find the show on your favorite podcast service. I use iTunes.
0: Um, I use Google Play uh, Music. I use Stitcher actually.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. uh, And all the
3: kids these days use YouTube. So that's right. Paul's red
0: and YouTube. Yep, YouTube and YouTube red. Man, YouTube red is where it's at. That is ten dollars well spent. Let me tell you. And
2: actually, if you're hearing this on a podcast and you'd like to see what what the hell guys that sound like this look like, um, you can uh, watch live broadcasts or archives thereof on YouTube with video. Just search for "long walk, short drink" on YouTube. You see Dave's <laughs> makeshift uh, strap shirt right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dave's ghetto strap just, shirt. This is like I don't you're, you're like,
0: I don't. Know. So I didn't have any strap shirts, so I'm just gonna roll my sleeves up and just make a strap shirt. It's cute. like a. It's a wide strap shirt. Look at how wide if my I straps had, are. I know.
2: If I had a mullet, I would be. I would be Joe Shit.
3: Dirt right now. <laughs> oh man! Hey, I'm going on Amazon as on... soon as we're done and ordering some strap shirts. So. <laughs>
0: oh, get some strap shirts. Now, there's a difference though. You can't get the hipstery ones that are like all the like that are printed and supposed to be worn as like tank tops.
3: You know. Oh no. no, no, just undershirts. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta
0: get undershirts and you just oh, wear yeah. the undershirts. That's what you yeah. do.
3: Like that like don't oh, get those yeah.
0: hipstery oh. like rainbow ones or It's way
3: too expensive too. You can just get yeah. cheap, cheap under yeah.
0: No, you just get cheap undershirts, or especially a skinny guy up. like you. <laughs> yeah. Or you
3: could, or you could
0: do yeah. you could do the ghetto version and just roll. Roll your sleeves up of your favorite t-shirt. This is like the Bono any,
2: 1987 version
0: of a strap shirt. Turn, turn any shirt into a strap shirt by following Dave's Dave's <laughs> method here. I'm going to make an instructional video. <laughs> oh, man. There's our first sketch. Um, yeah.
3: Dave makes a strap shirt.
0: Yep. Uh, we should start making YouTube content. I thought about that, Dave. Like, Yeah, quick, we can
3: do that. I uh, like I guess I made that YouTube video for,
2: for the... Uh, dave's digs the unboxing and stuff but yeah i mean i make videos for a living and
0: oh yeah absolutely, <laughs> yeah uh, um so if you're joining us this is uh dave and i have talked through the entire dead zone book uh hopefully you went back and did the 517 hours <laughs> and uh
2: if not you can find <laughs> it we're gonna publish the the book club as
0: Oh, once this yeah.
2: episode airs. Well, this will be the final. Well, if this is yeah. a focused enough conversation about the movie, we'll uh, it'll it be focused into, enough. Uh, but it'll you can be. find that on lwsdpod.com uh, There'll be a a playlist or or some something where you can just have just or go through the discussion at your own leisure. Download any them,
0: of your favorite major um podcast platforms, or search Long Walk Short Drink or LWSD Pod. Either one of those. You can also subscribe and tweet with us on Twitter at LWSD Pod. Subscribe on YouTube at LWSD Pod Long Walk Short Drink. You can search Long Walk Short Drink, uh, where we broad we have started broadcasting live every recording session, so you can watch us live. Actually, see the episodes. Like this episode is not going to air for a month, right? Like, yeah, we're behind.
2: Right? Something, I mean, yeah, yeah. And and watch we're keep ahead an eye on the Twitter feed for. Uh- for those live links as they happen and we'll try to I mean we can do a better job I guess of saying like in a couple days we'll do this but we
0: need what I need to do is update the branding so that it says like you know new episodes launch and live recordings on YouTube and yeah like put we'll figure it out but we're glad you're hearing this now wherever you are (laughs) absolutely so what we're gonna do is like like I said we're just gonna catch up with Twinkie a little bit and uh, get his reaction to the Dead Zone book he's finished the book uh, yeah. We've all also watched the movie. I might bring up the Wikipedia page for the television show. That's about <laughs> as far as I got with that. I we're lucky I got the movie done. Honestly, like jeez, uh, I can't believe I wasted all that time trying to get that soundboard to work, and it sounds like shit.
2: Palmer has built uh, this technical empire on his uh, strap shirt, bare shoulders, and he had a setback today, but he will not be deterred. Yeah. No, no, I'll, he no, will, not r- <laughs> will not be deterred. Or the turd, yeah.
0: (laughs) Neither one of them.
2: This Um, is also a good uh, episode in some ways to catch on or to come to if you haven't read the book or whatever. Because we're going to talk about the movie, which encompasses the whole story. And Twinkie's never read a Stephen King book before this. And so in some ways it's a good I'm
0: excited to touch on that. Yeah. I just, I really feel like the movie is like a perfect Cliff Notes for the book, like if you want just the tone of the book, like what That's, the book is going for,
2: it's amazing that you say that because I have a little. I so I have some tidbits from watching the the D 2006 DVD version. One of which is that David Cronenberg picked the script that he did, which is uh, I think by oh fuck now I gotta say, but I've got it right in front of me. No, I don't. <laughs> so the script anyway that they went for, whose name the script uh, writer's name I'll find. Cronenberg picked of five scripts that were written because this one, he felt, was the closest
3: to the tone of the book.
2: so there The were screenplay
3: f- was by Jeffrey Bohm. Thank you, oh, yes. Nice. You're welcome.
2: So uh, um, Mr. Bohm was I... one of four uh, four other screenwriters to tackle this uh, project, and it was chosen because it captured the tone of the book. And also the the other piece of that is that during this production, Cronenberg came up with this mantra for adapting uh, novels, which is in order to faithfully... Uh, in order to be faithful to the book, you have to betray the book. So it's interesting yeah. that you say that, that it, it captures the spirit of Well, there
0: I mean there are there are a lot of differences and some of them are really kooky. Like the the Wysak Institute, that really threw me for a loop. Like what the whole point of that was and why why did there need like I the, the Dr. Wysack was great. I thought he was a, a great but why did he need his own institute and and it was weird because it's like that's all it was talked about was just that one shot where it says the Wysak Institute, you know? Oh, that's um, right. And then it surprised me that that was more
2: of like a, it seemed like somebody's home more so right. than a hospital. Um, there yeah. is, there's something to know about this that I, that I don't have great research into uh, and to full disclosure, I know it through another radio show podcast uh, that comes out of Milwaukee um, from Mark Borshirt and Gabe Van Handel called Cinema Fireside. And, uh, and Mark is of American movie fame for those who might vaguely rec- recognize that name. Um, he was talking about, because uh, he's well-versed in Cronenberg films, he was he was saying that this movie, and films in general, but this movie's a what he called a tax shelter movie. So it's like people who have money towards the end of a, a tax year need to spend it. Um, and so they got investors at a time of the year where it would be, it's kind of scraped together quickly. Like people looking to get rid of money as tax write-offs and this movie takes place in like the the winter and stuff. So I made a note early on too, that it almost felt like a television movie at first. Like it was the, the production values were pretty
0: low in some respects, even though it was a paramount release. It felt like super rushed and I couldn't tell if it felt, did you guys think it felt rushed? In terms of the pace of it, like, yeah, like, and I couldn't tell if it felt rushed just because I knew the book and the book had been, I, you know, cause like King is just like exposition, 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 exposition. Like, let's think about, let's think about why they're doing this. Like, let's really analyze it and let's spend some pages really figuring out why this is happening and I understand you don't get that with the movie. Like I, one of my notes is like all of the changes they made were what were smart choices, you know, like, um, one of like, and not to get too ahead of, of this conversation in the movie, but like one to make that point, I thought when they introduced what in the book was the Craig character, but in the movie is the Chris character, the like boy that he tutors. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. You know, in the book, that's a He's graduating high school and it's his senior class that gets roasted alive in the Christie's um, restaurant. Yeah, right? right. And when they changed that, that storyline to just being that like young boy, Hot I it, was yeah. like, I was like, Oh, well, they, they switched it to a boy probably because there's no way they would have gotten through the MPAA where they torched a bunch of 18-year-olds in a restaurant, like 17 and 18-year-olds in a restaurant. And then, like, 10 minutes later, they show the flash scene where you see, like, eight-year-olds, <laughs> like, sinking to the bottom of the river. And I'm just like, oh, my yeah. God, fucking Cronenberg. Like, you're such... <laughs> he's the... Like, he's ballsy in his movies. Oh, like yeah. He's like the yeah. Stephen King... Of movies where he's just like, I'm going to put your nose right fucking in it. And like, and we're going to sit in there for a little while and you're going to really get a whiff of what we're dealing with here before I'm going to let you go. You know, like, I know that sounds crude, but if you like, wait till you read Tommy knockers. Like when you get to Tommy knockers, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about oh, that Lord. Stephen King and he, and you've already read stuff where he does that. It just doesn't seem as intense but like Tommy Knockers was was when I got to that that was one where I was just like Jesus Christ like I need to take a fucking shower after that but if that if those last 20 pages weren't in there this book would not be the same book um so Twinkie let's let's
2: get your um you know P- Palmer and I have had many shows and many hours over which we discussed the nuances and details of this book uh, right. I know you recently finished it, and then you watched the 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 movie to uh, talk about it with us tonight. And this is your first Stephen King book. Um, if you would just kind of take us through, like what was it like? What did you expect from what from what you'd heard of Stephen King from the podcast? Like, how did it all unfold to you? How did you how did you feel about the adaptation? Feel free to just, you know, go on and on. I mean, we'll interject, believe me. <laughs>
3: yeah. so I, whether this is right or wrong, my approach to movies doesn't necessarily have to do with actors and actresses. I don't necessarily wrong. (laughs)
1: Sorry. Yeah. I, I enjoy
3: certain actors and actresses, but, but a director, I'll go see a movie that I'm not necessarily interested in subject matter wise. If I trust the director, for example, I will watch Chris Nolan videotape his kids baseball game. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, I love what Chris Nolan does and I love his approach. It's cerebral. It somehow satisfies me. Uh, you know, a lot of people view it as cold sometimes or, but for whatever reason, I connect to that approach to, to filmmaking. Now, to reset Who are back, these people that I was trying to hold back? Who says cold? Are you kidding me?
2: That guy's <laughs> well, a passionate just, filmmaker. they yeah. box their ears.
3: Yeah, well, I think some of his dialogue comes off to some as a little uh, structured or too structured.
0: I, um, I think dialogue, I think that we are in an age of visual directors and and none of them are that strong with dialogue. Like it, it as far as like, I can't say realistic dialogue, but just the way their characters talk don't match the type of movie that they're making. Kevin Smith is a great example of that. Like his, his, none of his characters talk like you would expect them to in dealing with such real situations that his characters deal with in their movies, in his movies. I'm, right. I'm I'm talking about like Jersey trilogy, right? Right. Like, um,
3: yeah. It's like yeah, so overly I, stylized, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a director that I haven't necessarily or didn't, like, I don't, I didn't necessarily go out of my way to watch his stuff. I've found that I've really enjoyed it in Cronenberg. And, and uh, honestly, it's more of his recent stuff. I don't know a lot of his back catalog, frankly, just because I was never really interested in his style. But, like, Eastern Promises is one of my, f- I mean, i probably say it's about a lot of movies I like, but Eastern Promises is just a fantastic movie um, with uh, Viggo Mortensen. Um, and just brutal and... um but yet tactful. And I don't know, it's a really great movie. And then of course, a history of violence is another recent one that I really enjoyed again with Viggo Mortensen. But so I've never really searched out Cronenberg. And frankly, when I think Cronenberg, I Cronenberg, I almost think horror movies as a default kind of, I need to put this, my mind needs to open a drawer and put it in a folder and I almost think horror movie. And I'm realizing now, of course, that's incorrect, but you know, just my initial reaction was a little bit leery, like, is he going to take this movie and turn it into jump scares and, um, um, more outward horror where I'm reading the book and the book is about inward inside horror as much as it is any sort of exterior horror, like in a traditional movie. So, um, my, my initial, I just had a couple reactions that I, I sent you guys and I'll just read those and then you know, some of them were joking, but like most movies, just a lot of subtleties are lost. You know, we talked about, or you you talked about, the amount of pages he spends at the the gambling wheel at the beginning. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, the wheel of fortune.
3: Yeah, and and there's a subtlety in that, a foreshadowing, et cetera, et cetera, that is completely dismissed in the movie. And again, that's not a criticism necessarily because the movie has to move along and it's already an hour and 45 minutes Um but you do lose some subtleties throughout that. And, of course, characters change and right. names change. And all those are to be expected. Um, but just like the um, the tutoring you talked about, the tutoring, again, was, and I don't have it in front of me, was just pages and pages of exposition about why he was tutoring him and how he tutored him and the method he was using. And, right. And, the-
0: and as a former educator, like, I found all of that stuff, like, one accurate and too fascinating because it really gave you an insight of an educator in the seventies and what that was
3: like, you know? Sure. And, um, yeah. And he spends yeah. a great deal of time in that, in a later chapter where in a movie, if you're watching that, that would just bring that thing to a applaud and you know, you would lose people would be passing out in the, you know, like what is happening? Why are we stopped for 20 minutes in this movie to talk about his, um, Ability to bring this out. So um, my other one was, of course, Chris Walken. By God, um, <laughs> we've covered. We've covered that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: And then my Tw-
2: for, for listeners. Go look at the YouTube. But Twinkie just did like a little shoulder thing and a, like a head twitch that said everything <laughs> he wanted to say about Chris Walken.
3: Oh yeah. man, I I I mean, when you people love a lot of things about Pulp Fiction, but Chris Walken and Pulp Fiction. To me, is just—I don't know. It's like if you had a cupcake and then it had your favorite frosting on it, and it was your favorite cupcake, and and on top of frosting was your favorite sprinkles, and then somebody came in and put like a cherry on top of your favoriteest 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 thing, you would just be like, "How can this possibly get any better?" And that's what Chris Walken is to that to that movie. yeah it's like, One scene, yeah. tour de force. <laughs> just, yeah. oh my god! Um, and then my last one was there's some sweet, sweet Buicks. <laughs> In this movie, I, I mean, <laughs> there are some Buicks in this movie that are stunning, but that goes to my actual point of there were some pretty dodgy production values. I mean, it is 1983; I get that, but like there's a there's a squib shot where uh, they're going to the Dodd house, and like again, yeah. not from the book. The mom comes out with a gun. And that shooting. shit
0: was totally unintentional, unintentional or, or unnecessary.
3: Yeah, and I he shoots for, back, like, and you can see in her shirt like the squib pod as it, ex, you know. So, like you guys mentioned, what do you some- think
0: that was? Did you think they just felt like they needed to like ramp up that action, or like because up to that point they were doing a really good job of yeah. building like a psychological thriller, like like right. this is just like a suspense. It does not need to be action. This Even in the book, right? that's not an action scene. Like,
3: that's... Right, no, and even, like, the way he kills himself, you know, you can tell Cronenberg is trying to amp up the intensity as the story goes along. I
0: think that that was more graphic than the book, and I thought it was oh. graphic in the book where he's like, I didn't think it was possible, but he slit his own throat. And then in the movie, yeah. it's like, let's just turn that up to 11.
3: Yeah, you know? and again, I... I don't necessarily dis. I mean, I there's a part of me that understands why you need to do that in a movie. Film is visual. You need to create visual mo- momentum for a movie like this, which is definitely just point A, point B. Let's. I mean, the, the couple flash forwards or potential flash forwards that we get, but I thought for sure we'd like flash back to the hockey thing as a kid, or right, um, flash around to Stilson when he's giving a speech, we flash back to him and his encounter with the dog or I guess I just thought we would see more movement and I realized it's 1983 and that isn't a, that isn't how films were made in 1983. Right. But, but I think the movie could have benefited from some of that. Here's who this person is being presented to you now, but here's who they really are. What is, how is that all going to culminate in scene three or act three? Um, so there were certainly some pieces that I felt like would have benefited from like a Tarantino treatment, if you will. Uh, Yep. Some jumping around, some maybe confusing the audience member just a little bit to make them ask some questions. But, um, I looked, IMDB says the budget was 10 million, which I'm not really sure what that means in 1983 dollars, but that still can't be a lot for, like you said, a Paramount production. Now maybe it is. I, I, I don't really know, but, um, so that's kind of my general thought of the movie. I, if you had, you know, specific questions, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, my- so
0: as your first Stephen King book, like let's let's take a step back. So, first off, Dave and I start decide to do this Dead Zone book club just because I happen to be at like a crossroads with my Stephen King um, anthology experience, uh, and decide I'll go back. We'll do this the dead zone. We'll get the sponsorship, all that stuff. Really, though, this has just been uh Dave, this is was just the next book on Dave's chronology. And I happen and it's really just been us talking about it as he's gone through it, right? So uh you have been one of our like one of our listeners since we've started putting episodes out, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And you decided, like, first off. You and your wife like went through this book together, right? Yeah, yep. But, and she didn't quite did, make
3: it to the end, but she has read it prior.
0: Okay, so, now did did she also do the podcast listenings too? Like to listen to those reflections or no? She
3: hasn't. We haven't really sat down and done any of that yet. She watched part okay. of the movie with me.
0: But, okay, and I'm not could, saying like you had to do that. I'm just trying to get a gauge of like sure. the like because it's really endearing it, to know that like. Wow, people really are doing like this as a book club, like we intended it to be. Like that's how we did it, but it's always just so rewarding to know that it's that other people are are taking advantage of that. So, having not this, you know, never reading a King book or anything like that, like what's so you make the decision to participate in this book club, what are your initial your first initial like feelings about coming into this Stephen King, like, like coming into like Stephen King's universe.
3: First of all, thank you, Denver public library for this beautiful version. Awesome. Stephen King's the dead zone. Yes. Public libraries. Yeah. I actually go to my library about once a week. I love my library. Um, a lot of times it's movies. Sometimes it's some CDs and then, um, a lot of books. I'm currently also shout out. I'm working through the Watchmen graphic novel, but, um, Fantastic. I, That's a great novel. I have uh, really enjoyed it. There are there are a few things that I'm gonna say the word triggered, and I don't mean that negatively necessarily, but things sure. that have really stuck out to me that have really prompted me to like want to talk to to my wonderful partner about it. And, and primarily is the um is Johnny's mother. Yeah. What's her name? I don't have it right in front of me. Vera. Vera. Vera, thank you, Vera Smith. Um, we are also right now working through the original Twin Peaks show. It's on Netflix. Oh you know, yeah, From 1991 with uh, David Lynch, and um, there's a there's a character in that who's a, the mother of a deceased the deceased kind of focus of the show. Her name is Sarah Palmer.
2: And <laughs> Sorry, that's a tick I have whenever I hear
3: Uh, that. (laughs) Oh yeah, and I actually, when I'm reading this book and I get to Vera Smith, I picture the actress Sarah Palmer who plays Sarah Palmer in this Twin Peaks show.
2: Grace the key or something, yeah,
3: yeah. The religious zealotry and like conspiratorial nonsense and ridiculous, just
0: God's coming on a UFO to take us all to the, like, yeah, you know, made
3: me like relive some of these ridiculous talks that I would, um, I was raised in what I can refer to, frankly, as semi cult. Um, but these people would come and give talks and it would be like, there's Jewish people who are controlling the central banks and they will change the currency percentage rates at the time of the, Coming of the antichrist Wait, Now and, these
0: talks happened in like in your I'll just say cult. Like so in the cult that you were in. Yeah. And I think they, they would were, people would come in and give these talks like in
3: your church. Like, a, like there's like a, a it's called a fellowship center. Yeah. It's like it's not in the actual oh, church yeah, itself, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like no, a I... church sponsored venue.
0: I've been to that fellowship center. Yeah. I mean, like Dave has been to that fellowship center too. Is yeah. that, that I mean,
2: is that the where the baptisms took place and stuff? Or it's like where you have the meal afterwards? Like
0: where do you have the meal afterwards, I think. Right. Yeah. The post yeah. mortem. We were there. <laughs> well, I know I at least know I was there after your baptism tweak. Right. So yeah, like Absolutely. So I know exactly what building you're talking about. And they would actually bring people in who
3: would give who would yeah. give like the Stilson. Like, yeah. So like this, this guy, and I'll say, I don't, I don't I, this is, he's a, he was a, 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 a position of power at the same denomination of Christian, or I mean, cult uh, <laughs> church um, in Mansfield. And he came and he'd be talking about like all this, like read the revelation. And like this, it means Russia. And this particular text is talking about Iran and, These forces will converge on Israel, but Israel will defend themselves, and we need to be um, protecting ourselves from. I mean, you know, just this over-the-top, just fanaticism. uh, That's like that's mind-blowing to me.
0: That's like that. I didn't even know that that angle was there
3: in that yeah now is this like right. an official like can you go to their website and this is official stance that they take no of no well,
0: of course not but do they take how many official stances yeah. do they
3: take though yeah right. well very few but i would love right. to share with you my experiences no that's with not the, the time uh, and place with, but oh, um, i
1: was like i'm oh, ready yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly
3: the time and place i've been waiting for this to happen No, i, I, I want to know everything <laughs> uh that's just so you'll have me on next time. Yeah. No, I you know, but I can I can relate to that I, those types of people. I mean if I'm honest about it and and you know, I am trying to portray it as fairly as possible. There's a one bunch of very nice people who have no part of any of that and think it's sure. just as ridiculous as I do now and they're still back and go to that church every Every week,
2: but really but so like people Go and sit, sit through it, like patronize It in some way and then leave me like that was bullshit
3: Right, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. oh my what gosh cool? You look good, you went to it, right? You like, oh, oh can check off that I went Because you the have thing. to go,
0: because if you don't go Then you look like, again though There's no official stance Like what yeah. used to infuriate me Is like, nobody has TVs Right But the church doesn't say you're not allowed to have TV, right
3: Right. It's There's just this kind of built-in expectation. Yeah.
0: yeah, but you can have a computer and watch all of the streaming television. Well, you want I would off love to like have like,
3: conversations with people. Well, I, I actually I take that back. I don't really want to have conversations <laughs> with these people, but it would be interesting to have conversations to be like, how has the internet changed it? Because you can get YouTube TV for thirty five bucks a month. Yep. Stream yep. it to your laptop, iPad. And I, I I watch. I don't know whatever, whatever, whatever the kids have these days. I know
0: there were people in that cult that that's what they did. They didn't have a TV and they didn't have cable, but by God, they had internet, like high speed internet, and they were streaming all their television. Like they would sit for hours in front of their computer and watch television.
3: Sure, yeah. So I mean, you know, you you're gonna. It's It's so ludicrous. It's so ludicrous. Like it's uh, it's so uh, ridiculous. And and I can remember. You know, we didn't have a TV growing up. We had a computer, but, you know, I can remember going on vacation, of course. And sure, um, family members would spend all kinds of time watching TV only because it wasn't something that was accessible all the time. And so right. when it was available, it was like, you know, glued to it. And then, of oh. course, you don't have any sort of ability to evaluate what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate because you're not, you know, understand that not everything on TV is just like the best possible thing you could be watching at the time in front of your like five-year-old kids right. or you know, whatever it is. So, you know, there, there's, there's a part of me that almost appreciates that because that's what makes me appreciate film is having or not having the ability to watch some of those things. Even now, men, Holly will be like, I watched this growing up. And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, like I, there's <laughs> chunks of my life where I've, I don't, have any Chunk experience not, with those TV Not chunks shows of your life, anything.
0: chunks of pop culture. Like yeah. that. Like that's 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 a better. You had your life, right? It just well, didn't contain large chunks of pop culture. Right. Is I think a better way to say it.
3: Yeah. So this this uh, Vera Smith character brings yeah. a lot of those experiences and beliefs, or um, not beliefs for sure, but um, I do kind of get transported back there a little bit to some of those more jarring and Shocking experiences. Um, and I can even remember at the time, maybe not like initially during that initial, what people would describe as a honeymoon period, whenever you embrace a new belief where you are fully engaged in it and it pretty much accepted what it is. But as time went along sitting through those and being like, like, what the fuck, you know, what is even happening right now? Like right. This, is, this doesn't make any sense at all. Um, uh, as time went along but those Vera Smith people definitely... I think they exist in probably pretty much every religion.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think they exist even in non-religions. Like, right. Like even... A, I think there's even versions of atheists that are just like that with atheism, yeah. you know? Right. Um, or
2: conspiracy yeah. theories. Like last uh, the yep. last time we talked, uh, Twinkie, you haven't heard this yet, but we we learned of Palmer's uh, affection for conspiracy theories. Mm. And that that stuff can be completely you know separate only from as a, only as a elite.
0: like a um a spectator oh yeah for, like, N- like, like buy into a smith of conspiracy
2: theory. yeah
0: yeah i love to learn about them and, it, and it's just as fascinating the people who do buy into them to me are just as fascinating as the
3: conspiracy theory so yeah i work uh, the airport i work is denver international airport and has all kinds of Oh man! time. Oh, I would love to. Pick time. your yeah.
0: brain about that. Like, that's um, yeah, pretty like, fun. But uh, is there a secret world, like a whole new civilization underneath your airport? Like,
3: he can't say. He can't
1: say. <laughs> he can't say.
3: I blacked out there for a minute. I'm sorry, Palmer. <laughs> what was your what was your cry? <laughs> oh man. There's definitely no. not a chip implanted in my brain. Yeah. But those like murals,
0: are those like murals really there? Like the Nazi murals and everything? <laughs> in-
1: <laughs>
3: uh that's hilarious. Um Palmer, you're I what's happening? I don't Where am know. I? What's I going don't know. On? There's glitching um, like that you must yeah. your,
2: your your veil yeah. must be pierced. Those your- pictures <laughs> are there.
3: I have I've I've taken pictures of them. There are Freemason markings throughout the facility. Yeah. If you know where to look, you can find them. Um, there That's are floors crazy. that are not accessible by elevators. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who can tell? That's so I'm awesome. In. <laughs> I certainly don't have a higher clearance than anybody else at the airport, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, or do I have a higher oh. clearance? Um, oh, yeah. So, but obviously, and those are fun. Like I remember watching the first couple of seasons. Remember heard of the show Ancient Aliens on Yeah, my, think, oh yeah, history Channel. So I'm not I saying find those, it's aliens, but it's aliens. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that guy, guy. Yeah, yeah. George Sulakis, Yeah. or whatever his name is. But anyway, the most amazing
0: things, hair on the planet.
3: Yeah, I find enjoyable, but there's always potential that they're dangerous, frankly. Yeah. Um, Those, that level of intensity, because those, it can really fanaticize people and, and uh, militarize Uh, them sometimes as we see in this character, almost.
0: So, so this makes me self-conscious. So like, let's talk, let's say ancient aliens. Like I enjoy ancient aliens first off, because it does scratch my um, conspiracy theory itch. But then there is also like the intellectual side of me that does like to, does like to consider, I would not say it's like, I, I'm believing. Right. Um, but I think anybody who has, who, you know, loves learning and is going to adapt their values and their understanding of the world, they're going to take in any evidence that they have. So like I watch shows like that and I'm, and they're just like, it, it, if anything, it's an exercise in consideration, right? Like you're considering that perspective. Um, I actually was thinking about a fight that I, not a fight, but like, I got really irritated with another cabin kid when the matrix movie came out. Uh, cause I was like, you got to see this fucking movie. Like it's, it's just, it's just yeah. mind blowing, you know? And, and then we watched the movie and I was like, so what do you like, what do you think about all that? And, and, Oh, no, that was a good movie. I'm like, yeah, but like, think about that. And well, I'm not saying like, I mean, there's obviously no chance that would ever even be possible. And uh, looking back, I, of course, got like stupidly irritated. But part of that was it's like, of course, that's not possible. Like, that's not what it is. But there's a piece of me that's like, well, let's just consider that. And that's what I couldn't articulate that as a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old. Or it's like, let's just spend the two hours like considering it for a second. And and then we can be like, yeah, but that's all. Like that doesn't actually, it's not actually true. So now we're done thinking about it and postulating about it.
3: Well, I think it's fair. I'm, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what Dave thinks. Or maybe you guys already talked about in the last cast. But for me, I grew up in an environment where if something was unexpl- unexplained, then God. Yeah. Um, and so th- when I watch a show like that, this was like, well, we don't know how the universe did this, so God must have done it. Or we don't know what um, caused this to happen in somebody's life, so it must be God working behind the scenes. And so when I watch a show like that, as much as I enjoy it, and it, it's, it's interesting and fun, it just kind of sounds like we don't understand this, so aliens... Yeah. we don't necessarily believe we can't figure this out. We don't we don't have a clear understanding as to why this happened. So aliens.
0: My biggest complaint and, with a lot of the early ancient aliens was it's like there's no way that ancient humans were this smart that could have done this. So it had to have been aliens. And it's like, man, you're really selling like they had the same capability of intelligence as we did yeah. now as we do now. Like,
3: yeah, I'd have a hard time believing looking around me on a daily basis that we're really that much more intelligent than our ancestors,
0: but (laughs) right. uh, So, but no, I, I'm sorry. I cut you off, but that's no, what I I do. You know,
3: I just, I, I'm not, it's not, I don't mean to be dismissive. I think those things are fun and interesting. I just, sure. My, my past experience leads me to probably dismiss some of those things a little quicker than because it sounds, it's a similar cell
0: that, no, that's totally fair. I think that is 100% fair.
3: Um, so, so let me
0: play devil's advocate on this. Let's let's spiral back to uh, Dead Zone. So let me play devil's advocate on the Vera character because, uh, Dave, you can even chime in on this a little bit too. I kind of focused on Vera a little bit in some of my questions, my guiding questions for the Dead Zone. Um, it, it, it could be argued, though, uh, that all of Vera's predictions came true uh, by the end of the book. Would you agree with that?
2: I'm not, super, there's even- I'm not super sure, but but maybe yeah. I love this idea of the questions too. If nothing else, like I think yeah. especially now that we all have the book in mind mm-hmm.
0: and have seen the it, film, well, and might you be might fun not have seen all the questions yet, Twinkie. Because we were only, yeah. There's only what, so if we, many episodes what if we? What if we? I mean, far. we don't have
2: to do them all. You can cherry pick them. But but let's like without. So previously we were going through the book and trying to like talk about our thoughts on them. And I think the questions to some extent got lost in terms of whether or not they were answered. By us that's or even that's fair specifically considered so maybe now is the time that it could be good like you could i know there's a lot of them so you can be like wow not that one but <laughs> yeah. or, or we could just take them all on like fuck it
3: <laughs> i think this well, is a me, great um, opportunity let me yeah uh, you can lighten lightning around me with a couple of them or something or lightning uh, around us yeah.
0: yeah let me let me see if i can find that's got all here we go so that way
3: i i can still stay on mic
0: and Oh yeah.
3: While while you're kind of looking through that, just a second. In bringing this up to Holly, and of course we have lots of conversations about my religious past as she's my partner, and sure is curious and probably wonders why I'm so messed up. Um, She indicates that King has a lot of characters like this in his books. Is that
0: we've talked about that too? Uh, Even even as like because Dave is really early in his Stephen King anthology. Consumption, right? Uh, yeah, so I'm, interested, isn't the I'm right almost words, interested but, in
3: reading more Stephen King book club or no, simply because of that um, that approach. And
0: but this early, Dave, how many characters would you say that you've run across that are very similar to Vera? There's the Carrie's mom is like that. Carrie's I'm mom is sure. the most extreme.
2: So yeah. Week, yeah, I would definitely recommend Carrie. It's a short book. It's his first book. It's a great book. Great movie adaptation. Uh, by Brian De Palma, really great. Yeah. Yep. Um, definitely check that one out if you're intrigued by this. Like I, it's much more extreme, actually, in a focal point. And then I would argue a little bit, um, well, smaller the Mist characters is
0: my like. I would recommend then. There's a novella it, you could probably get through it in a day. It's that short, called The Mist. And then uh, it had a really, 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 really popular adaptation. Uh, Movie-wise, by Frank Darabont, the same guy that adapted Shawshank Redemption right. and The Green Mile, right. uh, he adapted The Mist. Now that one is that one is a horror. It's a horror story all the way through, but there is a fanatical, a real like if you took Vera and then you took Carrie's mom and put them, combine them into the same character and then put them on LSD, that Holy would be shit. the character that you get in The Mist. Whoa. Yeah. Um,
3: well, so, like In the book, Dodd's mother, while it doesn't really come out and say she's religious, that certainly indicates that her unwillingness to talk about sexuality yeah. or sexual behavior with her son, a lot of that comes from, I think, from, in my experience, in basic stuff, is, is discomfort because of religious views yeah. on what sexuality is or isn't. Um, so you can even make the, the, the argument in this book that uh, Dodd's mother, probably has some sort of affectation uh, of religious extremism.
0: It's also Stephen King was raised by a single mother um, and kind of shuffled around uh, throughout his life uh, oh, okay. from living with family, like extended family, but always like with a single mother, uh, him and his brother and his mother. That was the, it was like the three of them. And so I feel like, like the Dodds case is very, it's, it's very Oedipus, right? Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, and I think that there's a lot, I I think a, a better way to say it, I was going down a dark, to a dark place. I think a better way to say it is there's a lot of King working out relationships with mothers in his work. I feel like. And I think this religious piece is a is a portion of that. I don't think, based on what I know uh, of what he's talked about of his mother, I don't think she was overly religious. I think there were some family members that they lived with throughout his life that were, though, that had yeah he huge no,
3: impacts on his life. He has right? no love, uh, at least from what I've. Uh, one of the things I did when I, before I read it is I like to read a book in what I believe to be the author's actual voice as much as I can. I like to hear their voice. So I watched just okay. a couple of YouTube um, videos of him. One was a just crazy fun hi- time with him and George R. R. Martin on a stage. Oh, talking man. To uh, each other. Yeah, that, that's, that's on that's our like, YouTube uh, page. I, yeah, I that's watched like an that hour too. Long. Yeah. yeah, and wh- another one was just him presenting to a class. And so then I could read the book kind of in his voice. And then, of course, filling in some of the stuff with Holly and doing a little research. He definitely—I don't know if he's ever really come out and said he's an atheist. I—I I, I think he—he's definitely at least a humanist. Um, but he ba- basically has zero patience for extremism as far as religion is oh, concerned. Oh yeah, um, and paints. I, a I very, think he has
0: zero tolerance for re- extremism in any in any form. Yeah,
3: well, uh, it's really interesting to like see his writing
0: on. That. Yeah. Uh, if you want to actually he actually reads some of his audio books, uh, if you ever are interested in, oh, okay. in, in that, uh, let me know and I can let you know which ones he reads, because uh, those are those are always fun. He I I am a very auditory person. It is hard for me to listen to him just because of that. He does that nasal like main accent and it
2: you can do it a little bit. Do it for us.
0: Yeah. Um that this machine whoa, 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 just call me wrong. an ass oh, oh. It, all comes,
2: it all comes out of the nose. Like, I always think about L's too. I can't do it, but there's something on lunch. I can't I can't yeah. quite do it. I, I live in Minnesota yeah, and there like are some people who do that.
3: Lunch. All right. Yeah.
0: Lunch, you know, like it it's just a it it's weird sounds pass through his nose. That's what happens. And uh it makes it Uh, he reads some portions of hearts and Atlantis and he reads needful, like needful things though is really fun. And he reads that. So that's a great one. I would recommend That's awesome.
1: Um, and on writing is kind of the,
2: I mean the, the best, like it's Stephen King telling his own story and talking about his own process. Yeah. But like, you don't even, that's the very first Stephen King I ever read. And I read it first, I read it on the page. And then when I got back more, uh, when I became interested in, Exploring His Body of Work, um, I decided to listen to that before some of the novels. And uh, it's so fun. Like, that, I can't recommend that book more to, like, anyone interested in him or his, his books.
3: Yeah, that sounds great. And I, I really do, I mean, I it helps me to, to process information for whatever reason when I hear the gate at their, how they're speaking. Probably because I feel like the way I write when I do write things down nowadays is the way I talk. And so that's what yeah. helps me to to feel that a little bit.
2: Yeah. I saw this note that you had about reading versus listening versus watching and then listening in King's
3: voice and writing how we talk. Tell us more about yeah. that. Well, I just think that you, you guys have been listening on audiobook, correct? Oh yeah. For the yep. most part. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so uh, Franco, I'm sure reads in different voices. <laughs> I think you had, you had Stilson. Kind of affecting and like this southern drawl, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Does he not do that? Yeah, he and does. so you know he's giving this character a voice that I wouldn't necessarily. I, I when I'm reading it, I didn't picture him that way, the way Franco presents it, apparently in his audio recording, and so that's why I find really interesting that when you read an audio book, you're reading an inter- you're hearing an interpretation um, of an actor or an actress presenting material the way they believe it should be spoken. And I'm reading it in a way that I think King would have um, written it just because I've listened to him a couple of times, you know, I, it doesn't mean, you know, either is right or wrong. Just you do get a slight difference in how the characters are presented. Um, I think Stilson is, is his origination in the South. I guess I don't really know that, you know, so there may be things that I, I, I think
0: so. Um, yeah, because well, I mean, his history pick kind of you get that little bit that Johnny does after the the fire at Christie's. Is that the re- name of that restaurant, Christie's? Is that right, or Christine's, or something, something like
2: that? no oh, no, um, I'm, I'm blanking, but
0: I know it's a it's a it's a name, <laughs> um, but After that is where you get he. That's where he does his like deep research on Stilson. He like tries to go back as far as possible. Oh right, kind of story, and kind of like the earliest that he gets is that story about where he was a rainmaker. Um, and that was out in you know that's like is is that Nebraska? He I mean he's dealing with like cattle ranchers and everything. So, um, I that he would pick up. I would assume he would have some accent from that. Um, so, um.
3: Have either yeah, of you heard
0: I, of a rainmaker I, before? By the no, way, no, absolutely not. Lawyer term, but I well, yeah, the lawyer term I had heard of, that's true, but I I chalked that up to just like that. That's obviously a dating. It it, it dated the book. Yeah, where that could be a real thing. Um, yeah,
2: it sounded literal. Like somebody yeah. supposedly came in and would, you know, right? manifest rain somehow.
3: With his tracts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy.
2: Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to um I didn't mean to derail that. Where were where were we going with that? Oh, the listening no. and hearing Greg Stilson as a southerner yeah. and listening versus well Right. And that's one of the things
3: I, that I mean, I again I'm I'm sure I I'm positive Franco does a fantastic job. Just that the difference in listening versus reading, and then of course a movie just a completely different experience entirely.
0: Oh yeah. I, w- I honestly would only recommend the movie over the book if somebody's just not a book person because the movie does a great job. Like I said, of grasping the tone of the book. Honestly, right. I think that the scene with Martin Sheen, that when he finally flashes on Greg Stilson in the movie and you see Martin Sheen in that study, all right, and he like forces that guy to like scan his hand to open up the codes so that he can like start the nuclear war that i feel like was way 100% way more effective than this flash was in the book on why he needed to kill Stilson in the book i, I don't i don't think he ever comes does it ever come up, up until the epilogue do they ever come right out and say that he saw nuclear fallout like that that Stilson, like in his letter to his dad i think is the first time that you finally get that that's what he saw
3: right no they don't definitely mention it during the initial flashback
0: yeah it, but man in the movie first off martin fucking sheen
2: that blew my mind m- i i like, i had no idea that was coming and of course I, it, within the dead zone book discussion one of my dave's digs was uh Grace and frankie in which martin sheen is a major character yeah. we talked about it and yeah. then kudos to you for not like giving away it's like he's He's still in the movie, dude. Yeah. That
0: was a big surprise to me. And he was
2: perfect. He was
0: great, man. And that, but that flat, when he flat, when Johnny flashes on him and he convinces that guy to scan his hand, that speech that he gives, that's fucking intense. He, and he's terrifying. Like, because you have to think like he has to sell this character to make the audience want him to like, want him to be assassinated. Right. Like, cause that's what Johnny has to do. Like, it's really a hard sell. It's, it's like, even in the book, it's a hard sell. You, you, especially in the book, you spend so much of the book really feeling sorry for Johnny. Like you, like he just keeps getting shit on and shit on and shit on and (laughs) shit on and shit on. on. Exactly. And yeah. so then you're like, okay, so this guy's got to finally win. Oh wait, no, he has to ruin his life and try to kill this guy. That sucks. Like that just sucks. You know, and like, ah, man. Let's hit some I, of those I, questions. Oh, sorry. First, you well, you follow through with your thoughts.
2: Well, just
3: Twinkie. one quick response. I don't know if that scene has the effect that it has on me under the previous administration. If you're listening to this and you're a U.S. citizen. Previous. Yeah. If if if. I watched this three or four years ago. I don't know if that scene is as terrifying to me. Oh, that's true. Then. That's true. As it is now, because in my mind.
0: <laughs> like you're thinking like circa like 2000, <laughs> 2013, 2014-ish. Oh, yeah. We're, we're would not, watch this? There's no worries at all. <laughs> like,
3: yeah. I'm just God. like, man,
0: Martin Sheen needs to take a fucking chill pill, right? Yeah, thank
3: God we have people who are adults and uh, are interested in negotiating and can understand that the world requires conversation.
0: And I think that's the dialogue. Third, like I think that's another piece of this is that this Dave and I have touched on this a couple times in our discussions about the book. It is very interesting that this book, which really, for all intensive purposes, in in a catalog of Stephen King books, this one. I would put in the bottom third and not for any other reason just because it's dwarfed by such other right. amazing pieces of work. Um I'm like I by no means am I belittling this book. It's really I mean it's a great book. It's really well written. Um it it is really interesting that they happen to re-release this on audiobook quote unquote for the first time which i have an audiobook version of this book to prove that it's not the first time they put it out on audiobook um they pulled it disney style though they did they did and uh and have james franco and then to have james franco read it which the only tie i the only reason i can justify that is that he did eleven twenty two sixty three on hulu which is another stephen king book um, oh, okay. Uh, they did a television adaptation of that and he played the main character. And so that's why he did that. But it, it's just funny that they just so happened to choose this obscure, like quote unquote, obscure Stephen King work uh, to re put out on audiobook to try to like give some kind of revival to. Because, I mean, again, just like your tweet, I mean, it's. I was going to ask if I could yeah, read that before we yeah, go. Here's please, my, my Please, th- please do
3: my tweet as of yesterday to the author, Stephen King, who has approximately 175 million followers who will never see this. He'll get to your tweet. He'll get to it. Yeah. He'll get to it.
2: <laughs> We've tagged him 150 times.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. doing>
1: <laughs> no Willie.
2: <really. laughs>
3: <should> <laughs> yeah. Or should he? Exactly. This is ridiculous. At what point did you realize that you had written Donald Trump into the dead zone?
0: Yep. I mean, it's so relevant.
1: He said that I don't in one understand of those talks.
2: How, Twinkie Ma- yeah. I don't know if you heard on a past episode like there was a time where I watched both the video that you mentioned with George R, R. R. Martin and mm-hmm. a bunch of talks he gave in academic settings one of which was was near or after the election he literally said like you know I something about yeah I predicted Donald Trump you know <laughs> like, Yeah. um he's yeah. he's definitely acknowledges that
3: um, Do you think that the original character was somewhat a Ronald Reaganist
2: Actually, I, I have think. I have a note from a, a biographer here, okay. um, where they're talking about. So I'm watching this DVD from 2006. So we're okay. we're into the second Bush administration, and at the time, can you, know, you Bush also can you awful. explain like the
0: the 2006 <laughs> edition, like what makes that edition special versus the like night like the original version of the film is there anything oh
2: i think it's just a dvd thing where that was uh i don't know if like there a was reissue. a reissue like a dvd issue yeah, there, yeah. Th- around that time there's a definite sort of design um cohesiveness with a bunch of stephen king related releases that i'm sure were owned by the same parent company so like okay. my, the the dvd i got of the stand had this kind of treatment I think they were just re-releasing their Stephen King catalog as best they had them as adaptations. who owned this, and I think Paramount is the logo at the beginning of the movie, but I don't, I don't know how far that extends. But there, there's some extra stuff. One of which is like a, you know, there's there's a bunch of featurettes. I'm not gonna go on and on about this, but I will. I want to say a short thing about featurettes that started around this time for DVDs and just got worse. It used to be. You'd make a like a documentary where there was an art to blending in the story of the making of a movie. Maybe it'd be feature length. Um, and actually, coincidentally enough, Laurent Buzero, I don't know if I'm saying that name right, did this he did so many wonderful supplementary uh things for DVDs from Scarface to Taxi Driver to this tons. Like, tons. I don't know if anyone and, else and has done more. Not
0: to cut you off, but would this also be in the era? Um, you were the person that explained to me when I was you know, young and naive when DVDs were first coming out. But when, when DVDs first started coming out to market, it was a very intimate creation process. Like there was one person that was tasked with taking this film that they were gonna sell on VHS and putting them on this new format, which was DVD. So it really was a crapshoot on who got assigned the movie conversion onto DVD on how robust the DVD was, like the <laughs> menus and the and the and the special features and those things. So if it was assigned to a person that really cared about the movie or was really good at that job, like this person you're talking about.
2: That's um, amazing like
0: it, that you remember that, eh? <laughs> um, but two, I'm not
2: sure where that information comes from. I do remember saying that, espousing that. I don't yeah. know if I was correct. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all, right, all right. But it's more um, to do with the transfer actually than the con- than the like the supplementary content. Oh, okay. Um, Got it. But the soapbox I was about to give on get on is 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 a, is a uh, you know it's. it's yes it is probably the hill i'm gonna die on but it's not a winning battle where it's i i really appreciate the um the craft that goes into like weaving together a documentary especially one about the creative process or the creation of something that's something i have a a special interest in as we've talked about in the show and this guy laurent um Boozero, uh I remember being, like, I studied his work with Taxi Driver, the DVD that came out in 1998. They were still making VHSs. So, like, there's a half-hour version of this documentary. There's a 80- to 90-minute version on the DVD. And it's, it's like, it's wow. a great, like, you know, I'm not going to say it's, like, a work of art, but it's really well done in terms of, like, how you blend in the discussion about different aspects of the film. But the DVD um, medium... Prompted these, what would be like this series of featurettes that were not so artful about combining and interweaving things. It'd be like this is the section about such and such, and it's ten minutes, and this is the section about another topic, and it's another ten minutes, and it's like right, just fucking weave them together. I mean, I understand, and now we're in the edge of the internet. Like, put and, it
1: in
0: a narrative. That's yeah. that's the whole thing. Like, make a movie out of it. Like, make an actual documentary out of it. Yeah. If if each if each vignette is is bookended by a title card, you know, which auditorily, what would a title card look like auditorially? Probably something like this.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that a signal? Uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, no, but I'm just saying like, uh, if you're going to take the time to make the title card and put it in between each one of those vignettes, like just, just have a little bit of narrative like put a little effort into the narrative and you could just weave those things together. Yeah, and I, car, I was a you know? student of
2: documentaries at the time and I was making documentaries of the footage and, and interviews I had about my movie, the Adaptation the Crow. And your and friends. I, yeah, exactly. And I, and I watched, uh, and I learned from some of that, like how you can make special case to, to like, anyway. So I, I really like those kinds of things. I really like this guy's work. He happens to do the DVD uh, supplementary co- uh, content for, for this 2006 edition that I watched. And there was enough DVD featurettes to make up a 90-minute documentary. It was just broken up. So, fuck, you guys asked me a specific question. I went off on that. Ah, uh, do you guys remember? Damn it. Sorry.
3: Was was the uh, Stilson character maybe oh. something along the lines of Ronald Reagan? Thank
2: you. So, I learned yeah. from this, uh, there was a the featurette in 2006 about politics. I was all excited about this cuz I figured t- that just as we were saying that this was um auspicious that this was re-released in light of the Trump presidency, I thought this 2006 or uh, DVD edition was a reaction to the Bush being reelected. So I thought this, this uh, featurette, you know, 10 minutes or whatever on politics was going to be amazing. Not so much, but... No. <laughs> like, it wasn't very uh, charged <clears throat> with the Bush administration. But it did say... Um, I think it was a biographer that spoke to this, um, and he felt that the Stilson character was a kind of a comp- combination between the words still and Nixon... As though we were still in a Nixon-esque, at least in the story, um, environment of, you know, uh, I don't know what's, you know, secrecy and corruption and such.
3: I just found it to be so interesting in the movie where there's a scene where Sarah's husband somewhat accidentally knocks on... uh, Johnny's, oh, Johnny's door store, yeah, to talk about the Stilson campaign and very clearly mentions it being a third party, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, Trump which
0: is, in the book, too, it is, he does it's called the America Now Party, right? Right. Yeah. which make America God. great again, <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. Which th- th- there's th- symbol you like, Stilson's symbol is a hard hat, and there's a red, hat, like, but also yeah. Twinkie, to like, uh, uh, what, what
2: me and but I and so many other people ask (laughs) to that ridiculous statement and hat is like, at what point are you referring to, you know? Right. And and I feel like it's that kind of mid, uh, you know, 1950s kind of, Idyllic, w- but bullshit. <laughs> you know,
0: absolutely.
3: Which is my. Fascination it's when casual
0: that. racism was socially acceptable. That's that's what the time they yeah, want liter- to get back to. Yeah, when literally literal segregation. segregation if you're a white you dude. could smoke in restaurants. You could like shit on minorities and poor people, women, women. made sandwiches. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you, yeah, it's good grow- if you're a white dude. And You if could you're drink work? else, work.
3: Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah,
0: I, I, I mean, I mean what I say. Like we're we're in this is the reason I believe the reason it's so bad that it is right now is because we are in the death throes of the baby boomer generation. Like, absolutely. You know, in, in any, anything, it's the fight or flight, like it's fight or flight on a social scale where they are fighting at this point. Like they know that they're, they're backed into a corner and they're gonna have to hand that power over uh, to the next, you know, to Generation
3: X. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I have a guest of the guests <gasps> here. Hello! Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah. Ah! Oh my <laughs> oh, gosh! It's a baby Twinkie! Do you want? Do you want to say hi to my friends? Yeah, you should say hi to my friends. Hi. Yeah, I can wave to them. Oh my so heavens! This is Palmer. And this hi, is Dave. Honey. Do you want to say what movie that you got you went to see in the theaters recently? Um, I saw Trolls. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> you did see Trolls. Did you have fun seeing Trolls?
1: Yeah.
3: Really? That's really was cool. Did you have? Did you? Were there any scary parts of Trolls? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me one of them? Yeah. What was scary? Yeah. mm You don't remember? Well, thank you for being on on the podcast.
1: I love Liz. you a lot. I'll see you in the morning,
3: okay?
0: Oh, man. I'm going to be Twinkie's kid. Good night. Oh, whoa.
1: <laughs> that was, uh, man.
2: That's something to see <laughs> over yeah. the internet.
3: Man, oh, man. Man. She's an incredible girl. Yeah. Yeah, I cried at trolls. So what? I didn't see that. I'm sure I would I cry I cry at I
0: cry at fucking commercials,
3: man. Like but, I cried but, on this damn I'm right now. Yeah. Was like was
1: yeah,
3: like, Yeah, was, uh, Dave's crying, crying right sing, now. They sing this um cover of uh, uh true colors by
2: oh man, yeah. I'm that's blanking. By Cindy
3: um, Lauper. Cindy yeah, Lauper Fuck, I'm like the Yeah. That's it's so touching. It's really good. Yeah. That
1: is yeah, really- that's awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my
3: daughter. That's incredible, She's, dude. Yeah. She's amazing. Gabby kids make twinkie. the better
2: kids, I'm pretty sure, as I'm finding oh, out. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you see any pictures or whatever evidence oh. of pumps his kid. He's like a
0: grown-ass man, but he's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he I don't is. know. Two or three, a grown ass World War II veteran man. That sounds like, nice. yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's like, like that guy like, in the in the yeah. dead zone who's like,
2: we asked like, would you kill it, learning
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's like, yes. You see this knife? I'd stick it in and I'd twist her. Yeah. like It's that, just all like in his that. eyes.
2: But seriously, it's yeah. there. I met the kid. I'm like, why are you being this
0: aggressive? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Because Pumps is his fucking dad. I that's guess, why. Yeah. Like- I saw in the picture
2: today that I could see his mom. I'm like,
3: oh, thank God. <laughs> but <laughs> holy <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> I, you know, I think there, uh-huh. when we talk about the cabin and I'm not going to, I'm not going inter- to, sorry for interrupting our conversation with that, but. When I think about that, I just, it, there's a certain amount of compassion and love that I, I feel I have inside of me to give. And it's really easy to give it to kids. I mean, they, innocent, sweet. I mean, not a harmless or not a harmful bone in their body. And, um,
2: no ulterior motives. Also, you haven't, you haven't met my niece because her eyes go black. And she's yeah. the sweetest kid. And then, like, there's I I, I hope it's cute aggression, but like, literally her grandma'll be like, "Oh, you got that look in your face. Don't don't pinch him like that. He's your uncle. Don't don't hurt him." So come on, wow. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's an age cutoff <laughs> to this. But I th- I th- I have a big I'm a big fan of her. But yeah, like I'm not all yeah. kids, you know. Maybe Frank Dodd as a youth.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is there is certainly. Um, there's my goal of being a parent, which is simply not to fuck the thing up, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Um, the whole parenting thing, I mean, I don't refer to her as an it. She's wonderful, but <laughs> fuck the whole parenting thing up. Honestly, I feel like a lot of times if I just get out of the way, she'll do fantastic. But Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, it's by the way, it's it's apparently her bedtime. What time is it? It is 1030 Eastern time. Oh Yeah. Perfect. Um, oh, so we need to we take a do- break Oh yeah maybe we should do a break
0: We have one viewer now We've oh, really? had zero viewers for this entire like two hours And now we have one viewer I, they should I don't, like, don't want to run them off yeah. <laughs> it's, be- it's usually you Twinkie That's yeah. why we've only had we- Why we had zero <laughs> viewers um, I have no idea who that could be I mean there's a pretty short list But yeah <laughs> It's probably double D yeah, Armando. Yeah. Oh, that Jesus! I used the wrong name. That's, that's a, all right. I don't think he's hiding
2: from anyone. I think he's like Logan's like, fucking tell him my real name.
1: Yeah. Don't fucking call um, me Twinkie. Yeah. Just yes. saw that text message. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, do you want? Do you want? Oh, do you want to so put awesome. your your girl to bed though, sir?
3: I would take a break right now.
0: Yeah, okay. let's take uh, let's take um five. Sorry, viewer, whoever you are. Five is yeah, uh, seven. <laughs> yeah. Let's do seven. Uh, so will we'll be well, I'll be back on in seven minutes.
2: I'm gonna set a timer. I'm gonna be back on in seven minutes. I'm gonna read the pulp fiction speech in my best oh. walking. Hopped on a big jet plane for the west
0: coast. So much to do, but somehow it's you. I want the most. You talk Twinkies minute and your minute. You're done.
2: (laughs)
1: You're done! You're done!
2: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, uh, so I'll read this and then we can get into the questions. I think, you know, Palmer. I love this, Just uh, You can adjust the questions, whether it's one per chapter thing or just whatever ones you like best, I think. Okay. Okay. So I'm just going to start that. Well. I'll read the screen direction. It says, Captain Coon steps inside the room towards the little boy and bends down on one knee to bring him even with the boy's eyeline. When Coon speaks, he speaks with a slight Texas accent. Ooh, I didn't know that. And he doesn't. <laughs> but Not at he all. He doesn't then. at all. No. Yeah. He speaks a walk-in accent. Yeah. Hello, little man. Boy. I sure heard a lot about you. See... It's a good friend of your daddy's. We've that Hanoi pit of hell together for over five years. Hopefully, you never have to experience this yourself. So when two men are in a situation like your daddy and me were, for as long as we were, take on certain responsibilities of the other. If it had been me, we'd not have made it. Major Coolidge would be talking right now. My son, Jim. But the way it worked out, I'm talking you, Butch. <laughs> I got something for you. The captain pulls a gold wristwatch out of his pocket. This watch. I got here. First purchased by your great-granddaddy. It was bought during the First World War. A little general store in Knoxville, Tennessee. It was bought by a private doughboy, Ernie Coolidge, the day he set sail for Paris. It was a great-granddaddy's watch, war watch. He first... Wait, sir. excuse me. (laughs) I'm back up. (laughs) <laughs> it's easy to fall into <laughs> Yeah, <Yes. laughs> it was a great-granddaddy's war watch Made by the first company to ever make wristwatches You see, up until then, people just get in pocket watches Great-daddy wore that watch every day He was in that war And when he done his duty He went home to your great-grandmother Who took his watch off his wrist And put a little coffee can And that can stayed To great-father Dane was called upon by his country to go overseas and fight the Germans once again. This time it was called World War II. Your great-granddad, he gave it to your granddad for good luck. Unfortunately, Dane's luck wasn't as good as your old man's. Your granddad was a Marine. He was killed with all the other Marines in the Battle of Wake Island.
1: Granddad knew he was facing death. He knew it. None of those
3: boys had any illusions about ever leaving that island alive.
2: So three days before the Japanese took to the island, a 22-year-old grandfather asked a gunner on the Air Force transport we named Unaki. But he'd never met before in his life. And to deliver his infant son he'd never seen before in the flesh. It's called watch. Three days later, your granddad was dead. But Unaki kept his word. After the war was over, he paid a visit to your grandmother, delivering
1: to his infant father. His dad's cold watch, Swatch, Swatch, it was your granddad's. It
2: was on his wrist when he was shot down over Hanoi. He was captured and put in Vietnamese prison camp. Now he knew if the gooks, it was saw Swatch, it'd be confiscated, taken away. The well, your daddy looked at it, Swatch. His birthright. He'd be damned if he didn't if he'd he let his slopes put the greasy yellow hands on this boy's birthright. So he hid it. The only place he knew he could hide something is the ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: five long years. He wore the swatch up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> <Then> he, di- <laughs> he died a distance He <laughs> give me the watch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did the watch give him the shits? I know I always
2: wanted to know. Like what is like oh, it's like it's, it's almost over. He's like
1: uh,
2: no, I'm sorry. I hit, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's sorry. all right. It's okay. <laughs> it's a, I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass for two years. Then for seven years, from home to my family. And now man, give this watch to you.
1: Ding <laughs> and then, yeah.
2: and then yeah. Butch wakes up. Whoa, that was fun to think about. Reed, thanks for indulging me.
3: <laughs> yeah, no I, problem. Watching that, like I understand the, the, the point of why he's trying to impart to the audience the, the the value of the watch, but you're like, did it did it need Chris Walken to come in and deliver? Oh yeah. Yes. But, you know Of course as you go to appreciate you realize why you would yep. do such a thing, but
2: it's so funny too later when, like, when Butch is like, he's mad at his girlfriend for getting the watch. He's like, he tries to impart like why it's important to him, and then we, <laughs> he's as like, an audience, I'm not no. gonna get into
0: it right now. <laughs> yeah. but he, he went through a fucking lot, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting too. Like, the watch uh, and the wheel it's like, it, it kind of brings us Bush. back to the dead zone in a roundabout way.
0: <laughs> more no more you give me oral
1: pleasure (laughs) will you kiss it (laughs) yeah you first
3: um. (laughs) thank Uh, you for
0: indulging me on that shit
3: the movie that made a generation of film fans
0: man that's true yeah i you know what i had not like so i remember watching pulp fiction with you twinkie in my basement room Really? And I, I do not uh-huh. remember, though Though I had no idea that because it was the last time or the time before you were on where you talked, like, that was a huge influential, like, uh-huh. part, like, and I had no idea, like, I mean, it was a huge movie for me to see and it was, and I remember watching it in the room, like, like down there with you and, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. That Like, you're right, it totally... I think yeah. just solidified my yeah. My I love certainly of film. had never
3: seen a movie like that before, in very yeah. few since then. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely, and and to just like be able to pull off the disjointed narrative like that.
3: Um I really feel like I did okay till the anal rape scene, and then I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, I don't. Yeah. What a, ah ah you know. I was holding t- holding it together with. In the all fairness, though, rape.
0: anal rape really is We can put the brakes
3: on any situation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, and like things
3: all are fair- going smoothly, then anal rape. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It was anyway, all great yeah. until
3: that anal rape happened. You yeah. know? <laughs> Commonly overheard at dinner talk. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, the, we were having at a the great cult time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right, yeah. called meetings. <laughs> Oh, I think shit. there might be actually more to that than what you'd like to believe. But anyway.
2: Oh, oh yeah. Man. We know no, we learned no. in the dead zone what happens if you uh, repress. Tiki, that kind like, of stuff. It, like yeah. this
0: is too, the, these are, this is too lay people, like from the outside. Trust me, it looks like a cult. Like, you're, yeah. That's, that's not a hard sell, man. Like, when
2: I'm a, I mean, full disclosure, like, I'm ultimately a preacher's kid. So I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, yeah, but you know. I,
0: of a moderate,
2: I
3: mean, I don't know your dad. Well, uh, I mean, uh, no, I know, yes. Yes.
2: Um, yeah, my, my, with a, yeah, I don't want to, I guess I can't believe my dad's still very much alive and important to me, so I don't want to, and I have nothing bad to say about my dad's right religious faith is the kind that's very inspiring. It's quiet, sure. unassuming, doesn't push it on anybody. It is
0: not Vera at all. No, not,
2: the, not in yeah. the least. It's the yeah. kind of thing that actually gives you faith, because it's like, if this person tells you about their experience, which he did at, at one point, point, I'm just like, fuck, that's it's very. It was at a point where I didn't know what to make of that. I got in a lost faith at a certain point in a lot of things, and he and I told him. I remember saying that it's like, oh, I, I'm afraid to say this to my mom because my mom's not a Vera Smith, but my mom, you know, whatever. If nothing else, once to be secure in the knowledge that her son is, is good with the eyes of God, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> sure. yeah. And, um, didn't feel so much at the time or even now, but I, I said that to, to my dad and he, he gave me the most like disarming response where it's like, I can't, I, I don't really want to say exactly, but it was Fair. this this mm-hmm. kind of, um, this sort of quiet, assured, unassuming faith that doesn't impose anything on anyone and is, and is inspiring to see. Yeah. Uh, so, but but that's to say I'm not um, unfamiliar with the importance of religion in, in someone's life or, or
3: family. Um, sure. I just think that people who are religious in a healthy way aren't concerned about their views being scrutinized a little bit, just like yeah. anybody else's views. You can say, I can understand why you'd be skeptical, but A, B, and C, here's why I think yep. that... I believe the way I do, but for my experience is simply things kind of getting hidden away. Um, right. and any sort of questioning or scrutiny is simply met with, um, different tactics other than a calm explanation as to why <laughs> yeah. these things are the yeah. way they are. You know, there's right. other opportunities I, for that. I but. also felt like there, um,
0: I had, I have heard that some people who, uh, Left the church. Uh, were
2: the, the church capital T as we're talking about it from yeah. Wayne County. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Um, were because they either got tired of or did not care about honoring the club. Like, right, we are all together. Um, <clears throat> I I have no idea if this is true. But one of our close friends or one of our mutual friends, moms, who was a teacher in the district and also in the church, I heard she left the church because she had been pressured by the church because she was not passing students who were members, whose parents were members of the church. What? Like she wasn't just like letting them coast through her class.
3: Right. Right. That well, wouldn't surprise me, right?
0: Right, and, and and I mean, and again, like that's just hearsay. I don't know if that's true. Like, if the if that's the reasons that pushed tr- because she left the church as well, you know. Um, I don't know if that's what it was, but it, it, that type of like boys' club mentality with like the church members, like not, not, obviously not boys, but just like not just boys, but just like it's you're like fucking members.
2: mob. <laughs> yeah la but again Wayne like County. you
0: you hear like that same kind of like special preferential treatment with like masons or um yeah. any kind of like organized thing like that uh but man does that feel dirty it it, does. as an it really educator does. like it really feels like you want to really hope that's not true like when i first heard that i'm like that's not true there's no way that's true um they might be misguided. It might be a little like culty, but there's no way that they just want their kids to just be given grades, you, like passing grades. You know, like there's no way that's true.
3: One um, of my favorite exercises when I left and had kind of put some distance between myself was to say, well, there's about, I don't know, 800, 900 people every Sunday that show up there. Yeah. And you're telling me, that not a single person out of the thousands that have ever been born and gone through that process, none of those people were ever gay.
1: Yeah, oh, ever. God. Oh my
3: God. <laughs> not a single person ever. And then I go back and I'm like, that person was totally gay. Yep. Not because they, but you, you see the hints and the kind of telltale signs of someone who struggles with who they really are versus what they're supposed to be, as I did. And you tend to overcompensate sometimes by becoming super anti-gay <laughs> when you feel like you need to do that to defend the feelings that you have inside. Um, and I find that to be a really intriguing piece of the puzzle where how must it feel to be trapped like that? and know that you will never ever ever be who you really are. I mean that's Terrible. just That's so hell. Like that's a that's a
0: version of hell is what yeah. that is,
3: which That's so disheartening.
0: is especially disheartening considering it's supposed to be the, the, like the antithesis of that, right? right? Which is what like,
3: Dave is talking about with his yeah. father. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right, well, let's get back on Dead yeah. Zone. Um
3: enough Vera Smith talk.
0: It is 10:57 Eastern time. Tweaky Dave and I were talking. We're shooting for a and Did I say eleven, Dave? Be I think done you by said eleven m- m- midnight, which would be like... Oh yeah, kind it's of an almost eleven, so. like an hour and three minutes. Yeah, no, not yeah, eleven. Let's do it. So, kind of wrap up before before eleven. I love this if,
2: idea of hitting these questions that we posed and not answering. Yeah. So,
0: all right. So, let's just do. All right. I. You know what? Fuck it. I am gonna keep a timer.
3: Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I double dog um, dare you. I got a lot you. of notes.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> I do, <laughs> but they don't need to come up. <laughs> um, I'll try to work so, them in.
0: The, so the here's interesting ones. So I'll give like we each get a minute. I, I'm not even going to answer. I. How about you two just talk? Right? Oh, I think wait, we
2: can I all answer. Hear. Like there the may or may not okay. be easy answers to some of these questions, and we could defer, etc. All right. So right,
3: yeah, I, this is because I just have a one time read through this. I'm sure I didn't catch a lot right. of things, and I may just not have.
0: All right, so, all right, I'm gonna. Sk- so this is the this was from the first assignment. So there's three questions. How about this? I'll read all three questions, and then as the th- the three of us, we'll pick two of those to talk about, and then we'll go round robin and ta- and like give our take on those questions. How does that sound? Great. All right, because so this first one. So the, here's the three questions: What characters and situations stick out, and why? That's a really boring question. Uh, what situations and events uh, does King cut touch on that drive the bulk of his intention with the story so far um, from the 1970s? I'm sorry. What situations and events from the 1970s does he touch on that helps drive his story? And then the reaction question was, why do you feel um, what do you feel the importance, if any is of scenes like the scene with the dog uh, or the scene with the bandstand; those were in that first reading assignment. Those were the two like most graphic scenes. You had the bandstand, the first murder of the um, Castle Rock Strangler, and then also the like the murder of the dog happened in that first reading assignment. So, I say let's scrap the first question. What situations and characters we've already talked about Vera. We'll talk about the other situations
3: and characters. Yeah, I'm good with that. The second too. Okay, so,
0: all right, Twinkie, so let's, or do you want to hear, like, how do you want to do, like, we'll we'll go you first, and then we'll okay. go Dave first for the next I, one. I so, feel like
2: I've already, you and I might have had chances to answer these in the past, so let's yeah. let's, let's uh, prioritize Twinkie, I would say, at least above okay, myself. So let's,
0: yeah, 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 so, okay, so Twinkie, so what situations and events from the 70s do you feel like he touched on the most? in the book that helped drive the intention of the story.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, he's certainly fascinated by Nixon. Yep. Um, Cause uh, Johnny wakes up from his coma and wants to know what's going on and then has a pretty severe reaction to the whole Nixon thing. I don't recall the specifics to that, but certainly the politics of the day are very intriguing. And and you can even see that now in Stephen King, if you follow yeah. him on Twitter, he's definitely engaged in that. So it certainly drove him um, to, to, talk about this stilson character which you referenced of course the combination of his name may still be indicating that um i don't i really didn't notice too much international like things that may have affected it um that that seemed to be the big thing to me was a a very politically driven story yeah um which is what he was obviously running to write about
0: and and I think that those were the biggest pieces from the 70s that he did touch on was the politics of the 70s. You didn't. I mean, of course, it, the story is taking place in the 70s, so like the lifestyle of the 70s is being expressed through the characters. Um, so the politics definitely, I think, were the biggest thing. Um, I think, in addition to Nixon, the Vietnam War, um, the oh. like the sentiment towards the Vietnam War was definitely. Uh, I love the parallel that he draws where uh, Sarah eats a bad hot dog. And then he kind of gives the speech while he's riding in the cab. He has that internal monologue about how a generation of men were, of young men were fed bad hot dogs. And that was the Vietnam war. And then uh, they were given like the next politician came along and his solution to the problem was more hot dogs. And so you have this little monologue and then cut forward hundreds of pages in the book to where Stilson hands out hot dogs, like literally feeding another bad hot dog. Oh, man, I didn't make that connection. To his constituents, you know, and so um, it, that, that bad hot dog symbolism that represents the Vietnam War. And then you have uh, Go, who the like Vietnamese um, gardener. Uh, who escaped Vietnam? Uh, I, I thought it was really, considering the time period that this novel was written and released. You know, still in the late seventies, um, to have a Vietnamese character in the book, you could tell that that, even though the Vietnam War was technically quote unquote over at that point in time, it was still really prevalent in in like the American consciousness that he thought to like, let's put a Vietnamese character in this book. Like you don't see Vietnamese characters just tucked into novels or movies. Um, unless they're just trying to hit a token diverse. You know what I mean? Like, but I feel like there was a definite intention uh, so that they could make the laughing tiger connection. Um, so yeah. I um, Also this first section of the book, because you talked about earlier, this is the only way I can spiral back to this. You talked about earlier how they left out the wheel of fortune. And I thought it was interesting. Literally the first part, the first part of the book is titled the wheel of fortune. Oh, that metaphor is monumental. And the 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 first lines and the first line of the book, the two things Sarah remembered about the night later were His his run of luck at the wheel of fortune. And the mask, neither and neither of, of those, <laughs> neither of those things, made it in the movie. It's the first line of the fucking book. Like, I just thought that I just wanted to spiral back. No, I'm glad.
2: I'm good. glad you mentioned that too, because I think that's a, a also harkens back to one of the things that Twiki brought up, which is like reading versus listening. When you listen to it, you just kind of hear the events, washes yeah. over you. But when you yeah. read it, because I, I did a little bit of both, only in like I listened to it and then I looked back at my text. And those kind of really overt foreshadowings about the Wheel of Fortune or like a chapter starting with the, the sentence you just read got by me as a listener. I don't think it would have as a reader.
0: Yeah. that No, that's totally true. And I had to, only because I had listened to the book like, three times relatively close altogether, right? Um, Is when I, it was, it was that second or third time through where I was like, Jesus, this wheel of fortune section is really long. And that's when I took my actual hard copy of the book and just went from, okay, this is when the, that section starts. And this is where it ends. That's, it's like 20 or 30 pages. Like that's a size. And again, the whole first part of the book is called, The Wheel of Fortune, you know, like it's just a huge piece of symbolism that I found very interesting that Cronenberg decided to omit from the movie, even like to the point that they went to like he took her to that carnival or to that amusement park. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, this is going to lead right to the Wheel of Fortune scene. Like, I'm really interested to see how they're going to do that scene roller coaster. and they cut right from the roller coaster to him pulling up to her apartment and she and it wasn't even that she was sick right like it was just like the storm was nope. coming and he didn't he wanted some things are are worth waiting for he yeah. was he they they made him even more pure than he already was in the book like here like there was a couple times where I'm just like Johnny is just like this every American like the ideal American male. And you're just Well, like, it's also Bleh. like
2: when you have walking as that, it was literally yeah. comical. Like when you had him at the beginning yep. and he's because I know I bring up last temptation to Christ a lot on this podcast, but I think that movie as is you should. fucking amazing.
3: Twinkie, have you seen that? I have it's on my list of like 17 movies that you guys talk about that I've yet to it's, see.
2: I would yeah. I would put it up there. I mean it's like I'm not going to say it's like a 100% successful movie but it's very interesting and especially if you look into it. But uh Walken was the first choice for to play Jesus in that film. And I think Willem Dafoe is perfect. Actually, I can't imagine it yep. being any other way. Uh and he has this otherworldly quality to him that 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 speaks to the dichotomy of that film, which is like man and God in the same sort of human form. But Walken would easily assume, and it's so understanding why they would choose him as this otherworldly figure. And I remember in the inside the actor studio that I saw where Walken talks about his background, where he talks about like he's like I'm an alien from the planet show business. I <laughs> think uh, he, he <laughs> sees himself as other. And he, he is. He's very singular and odd. And so to see him as this Johnny Smith school teacher at the beginning, of the Cronenberg film, with his with a kind of his hair like down over his his brow, the dumb
3: and dumber look. going yeah, on Yeah, it's a little yeah. silly. It's
2: like you're gonna love it. It's about a school teacher gets his head cut off,
0: <laughs> and he look and he looks like he's forty, and he's supposed like, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah. But
2: it's so yeah. I, th- th- I think that's an interesting thing that they omitted that altogether. And I, and I actually think the more that you talk about it, it's very interesting. This whole laughing tiger thing in the Vietnam. I don't know yeah. that that's been explored enough in the analysis of the of the book by either us or
0: anyone else, but. I don't want to get too derailed. Well, I, I think it just, I think it just knowing that Gilson represents Nixon, right? It's this like recurring fear of Nixon. Is that what you said earlier? that That's what someone uh, like the biographer said,
2: like this idea of still Nixon. He also said yeah. this thing that I, I, I thought would interesting to share, which is that King, that, that he thought that Johnny is a proxy of sting, Stephen King, the writer at this point being,
0: thrust into the limelight the dead zone oh that you know what And that that actually ties to some well that's getting because we're going to we're going to spiral back to that in some of these questions yeah, that's yeah. so it, let's it, hold on it, to so, that yeah um, we'll but, hold on let, to that um but it, I, the the
2: dead zone i also learned was stephen king's first um novel to get in the like hardcover bestseller list so of all oh, these, really? movies, yeah that's what they're saying in these uh, supplementary materials and stuff and the biographer. And then the, the last thing for now is that the biographer said that Stephen King at this point in his career, after the stand, was wanting to write something more realistic and actually was alternating between this text and Firestarter. So like he was writing Firestarter, which I haven't started to listen to just yet, but has sort of telekinesis as a basis yet again.
0: Pyrokinesis. Pyrokinesis, tele- right? That's why it's fire starter. But it's like
2: mental, you know, sort of mental yep. like through telepathy or whatever it is, I, like, like I, Carrie like, or Dead Zone or Firestarter.
0: This is this is a social. Um, I I have actually looked into this because Carrie, this book, Firestarter. There's a number of books, and even some of his later books, that really have this. Assumed existence approach towards sixth sense or six senses. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, but I think that's how he treats all of the supernatural in his books. It's just, it's, it's not like, oh, wow, look at this. It's the, it's, it's like the Bill Murray approach. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, this is just how it is. Like, yeah. duh. You know, would you like, is that, is that accurate? I I don't know.
1: It's definitely just, a
2: hallmark of, or like a stalwart of his uh, early books, like this this thing like uh, meta medi- what yeah. is it um meditations on a theme or something or or variations on a theme. I I want to know what Twinkie thinks about some of these more extreme scenes because I can imagine yeah. as a first-time king reader how these hit you because I as someone who's well, early in the chronology in- but listening a lot I, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but like, I forget sometimes that he's primarily associated as, as a horror fiction writer. Like I, right, right. I, I get shocked sometimes, like what the fuck? Like with the, the killing of a dog or something, because
0: well, and a Twinkie lot of times sent he's that not great,
2: like that. He's, he's, he just tells stories and then sometimes they get really ugly.
0: This is a great one. I'm glad that you spiraled back to this because the, like Twinkie sent that text when we were planning this recording where he's like, I was expecting the book to be a lot more like scary and rapey. And it ended up being way more scary psychologically.
3: Yeah. Way more mind fucky.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> then, then <laughs> like tag mind fucky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Then, <laughs> then like, although like I, which is funny because the dog scene and the, the bandstand scene, like those are, those are classic King, both like, like violence towards dogs is a mm. just like having these overly zealous overbearing female characters violence towards dogs is a recurring theme of his that just oh, happens in, no. in, in I, know, oh
1: I know it's like God.
0: it's gut wrenching every time oh. it happens it's gut wrenching and in and, and I I the only thing I like to think it's because because he always has dogs and he writes about his dogs Whenever he's doing like being autobiographical, I think it's just like his dog's just pissed him off that day, and he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna beat you to death. Like I'm gonna kick you to death in my book, you know, like because I can't yeah. kick you to death in real life." Um, well, so, I also
2: think of it as like he imagines like what's the worst thing? <laughs> like it's like uh, that's
0: probably more that's probably closer to what it is is is, is like both. that would be devastating. You know, like yeah, um, well, because I
3: think you're asking as a reader, what kind of person is this? Yep. Obviously, unfortunately, we're all too familiar with serial killers, or I mean, that's not, but you don't really hear in the news, doesn't necessarily report, hey, live from X, Y, and Z, this person just kicked a dog to death. That doesn't yep. make the news. And so that to me is almost more jarring. And it's like, what kind of person takes out their frustration, anger, whatever those emotions are boiling on? something that very obviously cannot respond, you know? Right. Like I mean, uh, That's literally
2: textbook do- of like what serial of like yeah. telltale signs of you're going to be a serial killer if yep. you hurt animals.
3: Yep. Yeah. So that's the terrifying part. That's the, the thing where I, I don't read that scene. I'm not necessarily like laying at night thinking about the, the actual movements of the man going up and kicking the dog. I'm thinking like, what kind of person is that? Like, well, we think we know what kind of person that is. Yep. And then it, as the story progresses, it fills in your fear yep. <laughs> with something even far more terrifying.
0: Double D had a great observation about that. The, the dog scene where he could have walked away. And I think on all of these, all of these vignettes was Stilson, um, the last one being with the banker where he's like, we need to prime the pump. And I need this money because still all the scenes with Stilson after that point are him as a, as a politician, you don't see these like back room Stilson scenes anymore. Um, But in all of those scenes, the dog one, especially there's a point where he won, but that's not enough. You know, like, like the dog did exactly what you asked it to do. Like and you're getting pissed because it defended itself, and so now it's like gonna sit there and suffer. Like it, it has to pay the price for your ignorance, basically. And uh, man, I I, 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 yeah. So, what about the bandstand? Like, what about the bandstand scene or the anything to do with the Castle Rock Strangler? Like, did you like was that off-putting? Did you think that that like? In contrast to, because it does contrast the rest of the book like that.
3: Just you know, the the most again, the most graphic thing to me was the interaction between the mother and the son. Sure, I think there's just something about that that feels so inappropriate, and you know, it's not really that graphic. I mean, the way he writes it, even kind of talks about that experience, like. The parent would have not talked about that experience to their right. to her son. He kind of alludes to the fact that you know she's accusing him of masturbating, and he needs to take care. Of, you know, he can't do that. And in reality, he just had you know he's a middle school or young kid he's he's had, had a boner, an Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I've had a boner uh, for the last twenty minutes. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> <laughs> What's want that to be at the beginning. <laughs>
1: I
3: was gonna say, if it's more than four hours, you're supposed to contact your physician. So you may do oh, the, we're the podcast. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> that, that's a normal recording session tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's it seems like that more than even like the actual killing and murdering. I guess maybe just because I'm or somewhat hardened. I'm somewhat hardened to it. It's on the news all the time. Yep. Another's another shooting. Another. It, we get desensitized I mean, to it yeah.
0: with our PG thirteen existence of like media, and how yeah. they can be super violent but super unrealistic of that violence. Like the consequences of that violence are not realistic. Whoa. Oh,
3: that's a cat. Oh. Oh wow. Why'd you come downstairs? Did you hear me talking about masturbation? What is the name of this cat? Oh, you sick cat. Yeah. Uh, her name cat. is Stella Luna. You dirty fucker. <laughs> you d- dirty now fucker. I will you to death.
0: I'm going to put a clothespin on that for two <laughs> yeah. hours so you know what it's like, you yeah.
3: dirty fucker. You filthy animal. Just kidding. You're slightly annoying, but other than that, you're really good. All right, let's move on. Yep. Yes. Questions.
0: All right. So, all right. So let's go to the second one. So, here I'm just going to say the three questions and we can talk about them as a whole. Let's do that. We'll just change, we'll change the rules every time. Look at the cat like being a parrot. Like, (laughs) (laughs) fucking cat, man. Cats are assholes. That's so great. All right. So, here's the three questions. So, the explicit for the second reading was, how are the reactions to Johnny's powers effective and relevant compared to how they would be if that were to occur today? Like basically I think that the, the way that he writes about how people react to his powers are timeless. Like that's, that's just how humans would react regardless of the time period that that happened. So I want to get back to uh, that conversation. That's the question that would lead to that conversation, Dave, about, This he represents King, jump to stardom. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, What parallels exist in all the Stilson scenes? So up to this point in the book, you would have the dog, you'd have Sonny, the first time we meet Sonny, you have the kid, like the mayor's or the city councilman's, Nephew who wore the like let's fuck t shirt or whatever, <laughs> or hey baby let's fuck is that what it says like hey yeah, baby yeah. let's fuck
2: that should be one of the long walk short drink t shirts or strap yeah. shirts
0: <laughs> hey baby let's fuck like um and then uh the the businessman we ended with that on that reading assignment where that's the prime the pump and what's was so awesome was right before Dave and I recorded that conversation for this reading assignment. Trump had come out claiming to have oh, yeah. the phrase prime. I the pump." you guys pump.
3: talking about that. He did. And that it, was yeah, incredible. And he did
0: come out. And like here we were, had just read proof from like 30 years ago that used that phrase, prime the pump, like proving that you did not, you did not invent that phrase like that. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, facts have never. Alternative facts. Before, we have alternative so. facts. So.
2: I have this note in my, uh, it goes back to the what we were talking about before the the scene where uh, Dodd's mom shoots shoots Johnny on the stairwell and stuff, and I yeah. had, I had two notes about that when I was watching it. One was that it was reminiscent of like the Norman Bates situation in the stairwell, especially uh, yeah. in Psycho. Um, that was very. I feel like that was kind of intentional, actually, the Norman Bates mother thing, and then also that that stairwell staging of the of everything, but. I have this thing that literally says in my notes, non sequitur, uh, Trump on the escalator going down. So when we were first introduced to this asshole as a candidate, he was trying to make this grand entrance. He's on an escalator going down. So to contrast that with like sophisticated film grammar in the exorcist, the William Friedkin will tell you at every point in the commentary, etc. Every time he gets a chance to show Father Karras, he's going up. He's going upstairs. He's ascending because ultimately he's a character that does good and ascends into heaven. You know, first <laughs> time we see this dipshit, he's going, he's like announcing his candidacy, whatever, on the world stage. He's not going up. He's literally going down, like falling out of frame, <laughs> so like on a stairwell. So Stilson's stairwell, like Trump coming, like he's just the, uh, it's only a matter of time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's going to get found out like like Dodd or whomever. and it's just, yes. or, or or fucking Stilson, who gets exposed right. essentially. I feel like we're a hair's breadth away from that happening with this modern day sort of, uh, you know, evocation of this fictional villain.
3: Well, I yeah. hope you're right. I, I just feel like every time something comes up, it just gets, it's, we get almost numb to it. Well, it's another Listen, time he that has been exposed to doing this. And,
0: He's great at spin. That's the problem um, is like, I, I have felt, uh, did you guys read about the Republican uh, firm that, leaked 198 million the the data for 198 million voters
1: no. no what
0: of course you didn't hear about it because nobody's reporting on it uh there so the republican the gop hired this firm to track voter data they put all of their they put it it's like it's like terabytes of data it represents 61% of the American population has been compromised. How so? They put their data on an unsecure, anybody with an internet connection could have gotten to this data. Uh, um, and it's, it's been leaked in it. Uh, um, it, so it's all vote. So it's like names, telephone numbers, addresses, political affiliations. Perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's it's this hu- it's a huge deal it's literally the largest data breach in the history of humanity and it was buried on the front page of CNN yesterday it's not on there i don't think anymore today and uh and i and i mean i could not know the whole like i could maybe it's not as big of a, a deal i just find it funny that you know Clinton has an unsecured server that twice the FBI says is was, yeah, it was stupid, but it wasn't illegal. And we heard about that. Even the day of the election, we were still hearing about that shit. And now uh, this is 61% of the, our population 60 has been compromised in this breach and nobody's reporting on it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Wag the dog, man. Wag the dog. (laughs) Yeah. It's just yeah. all about spin. So here's this. uh This is a triple box. Uh, yes. This is the. This is the twelve point nine. Oh it lord! Is, it You're doing is, that right now?
2: Yeah. Shit. Oh my god! You're a better,
0: bigger man than I. Oh, uh, it's not twelve point nine. It's twelve percent alcohol. That by oh,
1: oh the, well then. <laughs> wuss.
0: It's fine. It's fine. <laughs>
2: My baby bladder's full, but I want you to ask Twinkie one of those questions and he'll answer while I'm going to pee.
0: Oh, that's fine.
2: Yeah, uh, so
3: I'll, I'll kind of go in a little slightly different direction of explicit implicit because I sent that in my, my email. Oh, sure. Um, the, the first kind of thing that stuck out to me in the explicit implicit thing was the scene where Johnny tells Sarah after he's awakened from his coma about her ring. Oh, yeah. And she goes home after explicitly saying she doesn't care and, of course, looks for it, which all of us would do, right? I mean, right. If Palmer, you were like, hey, you know that 20 bucks you lost the other day? It's, under, it's on the couch. First I'd off, like, I'm
0: close enough to my money that I would never lose $20. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> people, when people are like, oh, I found $10 in the dryer. Where the fuck did you lose that 10 like who loses $10 and doesn't know it? Like,
3: yeah, oh, I would know it. Um, but you know, whatever it is, you human nature would be to dismiss, but then you'd be like, well, what if you know it's yep. not all completely yep, bad, shit absolutely. Crazy. So she goes and looks, and I, my, my impression of that whole experience is explicitly, I think maybe some of us think we'd almost want a person in our lives that know, like we want to be known. We want a person to know us for who we really are. You know, we work hard at that's what relationships are is to try to be really clear about our expectations, our needs, our wants.
1: Communication. It's all, it all boils down to communication. To like
3: be known. And, and she almost get, when she sees the ring, and finds it, she almost has that moment of like, oh my God, like this could really happen. He knows this. He knows me. And then of course it flips to, oh my God, he knows me. And she flushes it down the toilet. And I think there's like this divide of wanting to be known, but then there's this terrifying thought. Like if my partner could know who I really am at times, right? she would want to be my partner. Some of the terrifying things I think, or or the uh, actions that I take, or whatever it is, if I had a partner who really knew who I was completely, even though that's something I strive for, there's still a part of me that wants to present the the things I want to present, not necessarily everything. Right. Um, No, there's still a piece of me that's just me, that's just mine. Right. And so to have someone in your life who really knew you 100% is utterly terrifying absolutely (laughs) yeah that is so implicit in that little i think story is the the desire of wanting to be known versus the terror of actually experiencing something like that and be like i don't want any piece of this yep and and i think
0: that's and i think that is exactly what sarah is is going through you know um yeah because she thinks she wants johnny back I don't even but. think that I think she just she feels like she got shorted and she wants she wants the universe to pay up she wants the universe to, to like to even out what she deserves and this is where um i i I don't know if they're in episodes that are released yet, but i I really do not like Sarah at all i like i this is how she's such a good character I literally it Cause I was telling Dave, like it's the responsibility of the person who has the most to lose to make the responsible decision. If, you know, it's the, if there's multiple people involved, whoever has the most to lose has to be the one that's responsible. Right. And she is not at all. Johnny has nothing to lose in the situation of sleeping with her. He only has to reaffirm all of that sense of I was shorted by the universe by doing all of those things. Right. She's married. She has a kid. uh, So it just, it really like, I really feel like Sarah takes advantage of Johnny. I, I know what King's intentions are. That it's supposed to be this tragic love that never got a chance to happen. And the last part in the book where she's at his grave and she's talking to him and she kind of see, like she imagines seeing him there and responding to her. And, uh, I think she even believes that that's what it is. But at the, at the end, really, it's just, in my opinion, at the risk of sounding like a men's right activist, which I'm not at all like, fuck that shit. Uh, It is, though, just, like, just a shitty fucking move. I don't know. I, like, I feel like she really takes advantage of Johnny throughout the book. Um,
3: Yeah, because she's searching. Even after she has the incident where she knows she kind of realizes who Johnny is, she doesn't let it go. I don't necessarily, like you said, I don't necessarily understand why. I mean, I, I guess it's the unrequited love thing or the...
0: But if it's unrequited love, then leave your fucking husband and go be with Johnny. Like don't like, don't that whole scene where they finally have sex and like her kids there. And then like, they put her kid in the playpen on the porch and they go to the barn and do it. And then like, then Herb is there and he's like playing with Sarah's kid while Johnny and her are like there. And it's like, And the way that they describe it is it's like this one, it's everybody getting what could have been. Right. Like that it's, that is macabre. Like that to me is, is sadistic and shit. Like it's, everybody is deluding themselves. Herb is deluding himself. Johnny's deluding himself. Sarah's deluding herself. And then that poor fucking child is there all in the middle of all of that innocent and just being taken advantage of by all those people there. Right. You know, his mom is denying his existence by still pursuing Johnny. Johnny's pretending like it's his kid. Herb's pretending like it's his grandkid. And that poor fucking kid has no idea what's going on. Like that's, that's dark. I like that's just dark. All of it, Yeah, you know,
3: because there's this sense of, They almost wanted to play, like you said, they want to play family for a little bit just to like see what it would have been like or, or, um, something like that. That's. So let me, uh, let me, um, maybe we can just hit a couple more. What are we at? Nine or like 1130, your time. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. 1130 our time. We're we're doing okay. Dave said, Dave sent a, a text here. He's like, Sorry, guys, there's a fucked up chemical smell here. We're trying to get to the bottom of it. Smells like something is burning. We got to find out where. We'll be back as soon as possible. No problem. Let me
3: text hey. him. Well, see if Dave has anything I could touch and then I could tell him what. <laughs> the-
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: no, if you need him to touch something to see if there is a fire like maybe hold your hand mark um so let me um i i know we've talked about vera a lot in in your reaction to vera which is great because this ties into uh, the last question that I had for this portion, which was what at this point, we start to see that there is a connection with Vera's undenied, like unflinching belief that there is a purpose to Johnny's powers that I start to wonder when I was going through this book, like I wonder if there is, if Vera has powers of her own, that that's what feeds into her misplaced faith um
3: yeah, it's so interesting to me because she it's almost like the the person who predicts the end of the world is gonna be right at some point
0: i or but-
3: or but the argument it, is it, if
0: you keep just saying the world's going to end, if you say it long enough, it's going to eventually happen, though, right? Yeah, and like, that's
3: what I mean. So if she's saying that he has some some sort of meaning, well, eventually he's going to find a meaning. That's um, I, I guess that's fair. Um, um, I, not, to dis, not to dismiss this idea that she could have, because, I mean, they link it to his traumatic events, but we don't necessarily know that it could right. be hereditary or and, and, see, and that's
0: the that's the angle that I'm going for is like, I feel like I feel like that King is trying to justify both sides. There's a supernatural portion to it. And um, and this and, and this is also a recurring thing, theme in King's work, this like sense of a larger power. One of the later questions that I have that this really ties to is is Johnny's power a result so I'm kind of skipping ahead cuz we only have about I don't know like 25 minutes left um so is Johnny's power a result of bad luck and evolution meaning um because there's the portion of the book where they say the only reason he survived his coma was because he had a head injury early previously. at some previously at some point which also argues that his injury that that previous head injury is what tapped into this, like, power, right? Um, it's alluded to, which gives me this idea that King's trying to scientifically justify Johnny's powers, but then he also has this sense of there is a task. Like, I, it, it, it becomes undeniable, and I even feel like Johnny feels this way in his letters, in the epilogue of the book, in the last section of the book, uh, when he's writing to Herb and to Sarah. Um, where he believes this is his and like I think he finally buys into what Vera was saying like this is what his purpose is um, I I think he even goes as far as to say it is he didn't leave New Hampshire because of the fire in the situation after the fire he left because that fire finally like sealed the deal where he was like yep I gotta kill Stilson that's what I got to do,
3: you know? Um Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Vera's like perseverance and this idea of purpose is certainly not foreign to religious upbringing. It's like there's such an emphasis on on what the meaning of life is because there's a great fear, I think, in, in a lot of people. Right. Um, At least the bulk of people that life is potentially pointless and meaningless and that's scary if you feel that way and you don't have any other you don't have a way to deal with the fact that meaning potentially meaning in life is the meaning you assign to it not something that you encounter or um is given to you it's what you're what it's it's you it's your motivation it's how you approach life and i think in Vera's mind, all of a sudden, this, this ability to get meaning comes into, or this, uh, what in her mind is a clear way of being meaningful comes out. And that to her is God. That's a clear sign from God that this is what Johnny's supposed to do. And now he has meaning. Right. And it's his struggle to be like, well, I don't, I don't want this. Yeah. This isn't giving me meaning it might look like meaning to you, but it's not meaning to me until the whole Stilson thing. And then,
0: well, and I could even let me, let me back that up even before the Stilson thing. So this ties into the next reading assignment. Do you think that the castle rock strangler situation helps confirm that there is a purpose to Johnny's powers? Do you think that's the reason that the, the, or, or just surrounding that whole situation, do you think that that do you think that that makes because the case that there is no purpose, or do you think that that there is a purpose to it? Uh, I mean, because not just because he's doing something good, but let's just think about the sheer odds that put Johnny's as a person with this particular power just happened to be two counties over from where this like mass murderer or this like serial killer happens to be. Uh I, I mean, so like that's, that's why devil's advocate side of it is like, sure. You know, that could, that could help strengthen the case that, I mean, Johnny could have just as easily had these powers in California, which is like on the opposite coast of where the castle rock strangler is happening.
3: Um, sure. And not had the ability to easily be, right presented with this way to utilize his right uh, skills or gift or whatever it is, we're wanna call it
0: did uh the taxi driver poster catch on fire next to the oven dave
1: <laughs> the poster is on fire <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh the ice is going to break it's going to break <laughs> <laughs> All seems to be well. Um, I think our dehumidifier like blew up. (laughs) Oh, that sucks. That sucks. It's better than some of the alternatives, but it was a little alarming. The smell was bad. She said.
0: All right. So if we go to if we're if we continue on this track of purpose, Twinkie. Mm -hmm. Um it going through the book, you can see that. I mean, the case can be made that Johnny is continually forced to suffer. He's almost like a a Job. I mean, one could argue, right? Like, it's not enough that he, like, gets in this car accident. He's got to spend, like, four and a half years in a coma. It's not enough that he spends four and a half years in a coma. He has to then spend the next three years in, like, rehabilitation and surgery to be able to move again, which the movie movie totally skirted over all of that shit.
3: All of it. They just made him walk in a very, yeah. very awful way. No, it cut from
0: it cut from the, the car crash scene to him like laying there awake talking to Dr. Wizak. Like, what the fuck? Come on. Like
3: Yeah. You're they definitely c- did not need any sort of medical um. Uh, also authority.
0: Vera only had two talking scenes. Like the scene where she walks into the, yeah. the room and the scene where she dies of the fucking stroke. That's the only times that she talks in that movie.
2: So many like But the thing like uh, when he's on the cane and stuff And he's lurching forward He says uh, I'm walking here (laughs) Sorry (laughs) You see Because his name is is (laughs) Walker So okay so
0: Twinkie So He continues to suffer loss Do you think this is Because of his opposition to A quote unquote purpose Like if there is a higher power that's trying to steer him towards a purpose and is continually, do you think that, that this loss that he keeps having to suffer is because he doesn't buy into that purpose yet?
3: Hmm. It's interesting because he doesn't, he quite state fairly clearly that the Stilson thing is going to be his, his Waterloo. Like he knows this is going to be the end.
0: I, I think he knows as soon as he shakes Stilson's hand. Right. Uh, um, which so ties I, to the think, last question of that section. Yeah, like, I, I just,
3: I I think to me he doesn't, he's kind of going wherever. Well, he certainly makes a decision on the the uh, Castle Rock Strangler. And it's the first time I feel like he's, you know, he has the press conference and that's really terrible, a terrible experience. But he really makes a decision in that, Castle Rock, surely he's going to go and do something and help. Like, maybe this is my purpose. Yeah. Um, but I, there's no indication that there's some sort of like outside force that's making him, making life hard for him simply because he's not playing ball as it were with this, um, With the way things are supposed to be. I I never get any indication that that that's the case. It's more of circumstances surrounding his ability, which are very supernatural or odd. Just the reaction of the average public is making life challenging for him and making life difficult because they're seeing all the uses that his powers have and he just views it as a curse and that he doesn't want to do it, but I get no indication of any sort of outside involvement other than, I guess his mom, I guess you could view that as some sort of conduit from God or.
0: Well, and I, I think the reason that I steered towards these questions is because this again is a theme that you see that this is a recurring theme in King's work purpose versus. Okay. Versus free will. Right. Right. Um most of the time he will land on the purpose side like there is a higher power working towards mm. Um it is a is is a great example of, uh, me and I highly recommend everybody read it Um
3: I'm sure as hell not watching that movie looks terrifying <laughs>
0: You have to watch that movie. Looks so fucking good,
3: it's oh. terrifying. Oh, it looks Did so you good. See the thing where the clown pops out of the water. Yeah, oh, I fuck saw it. No, I can't dude. wait. I
0: can't wait. Can't wait. Fuck No, I'm not watching that. <laughs> um, uh, you got to, you got to. Uh, I
1: love so, it. I feel
0: like that's like like a pull quote. It's <laughs>
2: just like, yeah, fuck <laughs> No, I'm not watching that. Dash Twinkie, yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah, know. dash <laughs> people Twinkie, go see it.
0: Um. <laughs> But this is a recurring theme that you see in King's work a lot where it's it's power versus free will or uh, higher power versus free will and or fate, I guess you could say uh
2: and I just see a lot of that know. in the stand too another uh, thing about it that's yeah. a lot of that in the
0: stand um just prior and I so. All right, so let's switch gears. Let's talk about then the vision that he has at the end of that section, is where he finally shakes hands with Stilson, which I love in the movie, though. I love where he goes to shake Stilson's hand when the first time he sees him. And as their hands are about to connect, you hear the chink, and he it's Stilson putting a button in his hand. Oh, So he didn't actually like. So he blocks that like the vision could have happened at that point,
3: but it didn't. Oh, well, that's interesting. I and think I, I may have missed that.
0: Oh man. I loved that. was just a nice little nuance. That was just so awesome. Um, which the movie's version of sunny. I liked a lot too. Uh, anyways. So, so at the end of chapter 20, that's when Johnny finally shakes Stilson's hand and he sees his vision so let's talk about how that parallels with today and just like um and how i i i don't know like i feel like there are so many so many similarities between stilson and trump's campaign and style of talking and uh, symbols that they choose uh I don't know what, like, what, like yeah, you, well, So we talked about your tweet. Your tweet said, "Did you know you like? When did you know you were writing about Trump in the dead zone?" Right. Um. So, like, just what's your take? Like, as you're yeah, reading so, the book, like, how is it hitting you?
3: Again, a lot of this book—it's so interesting to me—is informed by my up, uh, my my religious upbringing. I'm sure everybody. When they read something, is informed by their previous experiences. But sure, I, I read a quote, and, and you know what? I may not have read the quote. I may not have heard it from. Um, do, do do you all remember or have class with uh, Professor Weinstein or Weinstein? I guess depending at um, what was uh, then Wayne College. I believe it's a satellite. All
0: of that- you guys put like had Weinstein up on this like pedestal, and I came in right behind. All of you had him, and I never had him. I never uh, got a, a course with him I them. didn't I either. A, I didn't get to. I went there, but you know, right? so, I didn't
2: have him. I I, yeah. I
0: remember him. I remember seeing him in the halls of Wayne College. I remember him being like a rock star for all of you guys. Yeah. And me not getting, like, I was about to take humanities, but then I ended up graduating and going and taking them up on main
3: campus. Right. And, so, I mean, to, to kind of put it in perspective, he's at Wayne College, which is in Orville, Ohio. I mean, just... It's a high school. Of, it's a
0: it's a college that's a high school. That's, yeah,
3: the heart of like conservatism, and he's a liberal Jew. Yeah. Um, who lives in Worcester, who did not pull punches and could just give a fuck if you yep. were upset at him. Not in a mean way. He was just like, This is the information I'm presenting. And Yep. I'm gonna talk about it. Let's talk about it. But I, I'm not gonna not do something because of, you know. The, the state of the world around me. But one of the things that I, and I'm going to attribute to him anyway, because why the hell it makes a great story. But I think he was the one that first kind of cued me into the fact that people who talk about the greatness of the past, you need to watch them. Because they're not going to tell you the truth, the whole story. They're going to pull the pieces that sound great. And we're talking luminaries in history, uh, like Hitler, <laughs> you know, like these awful people who preyed upon the German mindset to say, look, you got fucked in world war one. Well, the great war, he would have called it, but in the great war, let, I'm going to take you back. We're going to go back before that when we were, we were great, you know, and anybody who takes the past and promotes it to be um, this all encompassing wonderment of joy and fantasticness, you're getting sold a bill of goods. Cause it's, It's history is stunningly like it is now, a mix of positive and negative, a mix of good and bad, a mix of uncertainty yet hope. Um, All of those things exist whenever America was great, whatever time frame he's calling that. All of those pieces existed just as they do right now. And Stilson's doing the same thing. He's misrepresenting history. He's... Selling this past, which is bogus and isn't real, it's not a real past. It's a past generated for um, people who, who think that there was a time in history where everybody had jobs and everything was wonderful and marvelous, which never existed. He promises, at least in the movie, he promises jobs to everybody as part of his kind of his platform. Oh, so in the pushups," in the, in the, in like, like they,
2: they cut in at the end of a hundred push-ups. Yeah. who does a hundred push-ups. Show me somebody. You who does fucking one.
3: do a hundred push-ups.
0: You do Lou Diamond push-ups in the middle of Chicago <laughs> at 2 a.m. That's what you fucking do. I
2: probably did 10, but thank
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Diamond Phillips pushups. How do you even know
2: that? You weren't, you weren't there.
0: Listen, Is I know legend? shit, okay? Don't like... <laughs>
2: So all of that you're was not like only,
0: you're, not, you're not the only chronologist of our group. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: <you're> like <laughs> I, know, as I was listening to Twiki's like story, he was talking about the past is not this. I'm like, are you telling me that the cabin was not a utopia? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: no, how dare you sir. talk I about like where fucking you were pedestals? Like I I, that, remember- that pedestal gets taller the older I get. The cabin.
3: Yeah, I remember like growing up in the church that I grew up in, and again, this informs that if people had this mythical. We're going to return to where, you know, the women actually looked modest. Yeah. Yeah. And the men were men. Men were you men. No, Men were men. The women were kind of like men too. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the men were men. You know, like there's this like appeal to return to simpler times. Yeah. Why can't we just go back to the way things were? The, the the past was so much better than it is now, guys. Look, aren't you scared right now? Aren't you? Don't you feel that dread, like something bad could happen? I can promise you safety and security and the way things were. You know, and I remember that growing up in my life, um, and and Stilson does that masterfully. Yep, through King. So that's how I see All him right.
2: uh, as uh, a. Yeah, very well said.
0: I think that is spot on.
2: So we're down until, to seven minutes. Until. How does. So I, love, gonna, I love. I love what gonna, is undoing is. How are you in that? We're in the questions. Are you approaching that?
0: We're in the last three questions. So we're We're going to rapid fire these in the last seven minutes. You ready? All right. First. Rock and roll. First question. This is something Kings. This is a common King thing. In chapters 24 through the epilogue, like through the end of the book, he really starts changing his narrative style to like a mixed, I I call it mixed media. So there's like interviews, there's newspaper clippings, there's, and he does this a lot in a lot of his books. He does not stick to just one narrative style because that helps support it as a whole story. Like it gives it, it gives it sustenance. It gives it life. If there's, if it's more than just, if like, if it's third person omniscient for the whole time, it's not as effective. If in addition to the third person omniscient, here's two newspaper clippings and an interview, uh, that support the, like what the narrator's telling you, you know?
1: So, um, what, what, were what was your reaction
0: to that change? Cause it is, I feel like in the dead zone, it's really drastic where it's like, it's just this like normal narrative. And then once it gets to where he's in, in Arizona or New Mexico or wherever, like that's where it's just like, where it's almost like a police blotter where it's like, and then he went and bought a gun and then he bought a a, a train ticket and then he went and did this. And then he wrote these letters and here's what the letters said. And then in the epilogue, you're like, here's the like testimony. So What's your reaction to that like change in narrative style and the incorporation of like the mixed media
3: approach? My initial reaction when reading it was there's this sense of not really know he's wandering about. And and that's, and that's found out in the way that King even jumps around is there's a wandering about of the story. And then when he feels that purpose, for whatever it's, whether it's inside or outside purpose, whether it's external, internal King, I think almost simple, almost portrays that by that, like focused, we are on a rail and we are going from here to the point where he's killed by the secret. secret. Well,
0: and I think, but here's where that's so awesome is because that's when Johnny finally accepts his fate. Like whether or not that, that higher power is there. Johnny thinks it is. And then that's when the narrative style f- switches to this. We're yes. on a rail and we're just barreling through to this like horrific thing. And it ends up not being as horrific as you think it's going to be. So let's. All right. So next question.
3: Real quick though. I think the movie does something really interesting. And obviously to, to create tension is they use Denny as the little boy. That was genius. Um, which, yeah. oh, oh shit. Oh, totally after genius. I, after I watched that, I was like, duh. Oh, well, that's yeah. brilliant! It's I mean, so brilliant. Which, whoever, whichever screenwriter especially, was like, well, yeah, especially his- because
0: he like shakes Stilson's hand, and the next scene is like the the end. You like, oh yeah, it happens so it just, fast in the movie.
3: The book just like barrels down the track. Yeah, almost kind of like the movie does the whole time. You know, the movie yep. is very much kind of push you in this almost like CSI, but kind of thriller ish. <laughs> when thing. you can see to
2: some extent Like especially when they go to Dodd's house Like when we were talking about That seems so overblown And like she's shooting The Dodd's mom is shooting Johnny yeah. I definitely saw in that scene It's like oh I can see how Television producers would see this And want to make it into a procedural Where They're they not. like they make a crime team Out of these people um, Right but, but yeah, so, so, well, that's, that's a kind of like hackneyed, ver- I don't know, not to say, not to downplay it or say that's it's bad, but as an adaptation, that's a sort of reductive formulaic rendering of this more subtle and, and nuanced and interesting story. But in terms of a, a narrative device and kind of a uh, way of adapting the the greater themes of the novel and larger character circles into a like a smaller story that could be realized in two hours, making Johnny's love, Sarah's son, who is sarah Sarah's Johnny's lost love, who is m- now married a politician who is in the movie aligned with Stilson. Um, and like essentially another brilliant
0: move. I thought all, I actually thought a lot of the decisions that they made for the movie were brilliant. Like, yeah, as far as if you look at it from the, the, like if you look at it from, we have this book that's 500 pages long and we need to fit it into an hour and 45 minutes. I think a lot of the choices they made were really, really smart.
2: What we're dancing around is in the end, in the climax, where Johnny thinks that if he shoots, assassinates Stilson, it will undo this version of the future that he's seen. And he is unable to actually kill him, to shoot him. Yeah. But what happens is when he is trying to shoot him, sh- when he's firing off rounds, Stilson reveals his true character by holding up a baby in front of him as a human shield. And yep. in this case, it's it's his... Uh, you know, ex-lover Sarah's baby Denny that he holds up, so it better localizes that and hit and so it hits home.
0: Let's let's end on this these last two questions, Twinkie. I want to get your answers to, and they're easy ones to answer. Oh man! And, and I think, I, and on. I think, and I think you're. I I think I know your ans- What you would answer to at least the first one, the second one is totally up in the air. So the first one is. So is Johnny's power a result of just bad luck in her in genetics or is it the result of a higher power that give that like what's your take on it imposing their will on a helpless Johnny like a higher power imposing its will on a helpless Johnny?
3: partially informed my own by my own beliefs obviously but also just in kind of in trying to interpret King's writing I believe it is just he's a hapless Participant in
0: bad luck and genetics, just the like, rate of life, right? Like he had a head injury when a kid that just happened to tap into some portion of a, the human brain yep. that most of us don't get mm-hmm. to access, right? All right, that's it. And I think King presents both of them so that anybody can like relate to it at that point. Sure. Like, like either way, you could relate to it. All right, movie last tidbit. question.
2: Well, movie tidbit. I have, a, movie I have three movie tidbits. Psh, I'm trying to work psh, in. One of them is. Movie hit it, is they did film a prologue where they show they filmed the ice thing, and they ah. they elected not to use it.
3: Oh, it, okay, so that's well, good. They, they, did they show just that smartly, smartly where, yeah, what caused Johnny cut that injury. into his coma. Yeah. yeah,
0: they just skipped All right, it. La- last question, Twinkie. Oh man, if you could go back and kill Hitler, if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, right?
3: Would you? Which they talk about as a movie, right? That's
0: the- I I like the movies conversation way better because that like. Yeah, Because like, Chris Walken was like, but you're going to die, you know? Like, if, if you go yeah. back and you do it and you kill him, you're because not going to survive.
3: The argument is always, at least in the conversations that I have, the few conversations I've had about this. I mean, I talk about it all the time at work. <laughs> uh, the uh, conversation, if you guys is always like, well, are you just going to create something worse? If you go back and kill Hitler, what, what alternate timeline... What are you altering, and does something worse happen in its place? I, I'm not sure what could be worse than Hitler
0: necessarily, but I, I, but, I honestly, I want but, us to jump from this book to eleven twenty two sixty three because it it's almost the other end of the spectrum of this, of this, this ex, this, this thought right here. Like, would you go back and kill Hitler? Yeah,
3: but I must think you have to say yes because. You know what you have in Hitler. You don't know what the alternate timeline right. is. Don't but it's got to say, be better. But it's got to be say, better. I you to take my chances at least. Yep. Like, even if, if 10 less people are killed, if one less person is killed, haven't you done the right thing?
0: I, I, think, I think the dead zone is young Stephen King and 1122 63 is like cynical adult Stephen King answering the, that question. It's hmm, both of them answering that question. For, for uh, what is should, what
2: is that novel like? What's the premise of that novel? Is the title even significant to the whole? Uh,
0: Eleven twenty two sixty three is is the assassination of Kennedy. So, oh, oh the right whole then. point of the book is a man finds a wormhole that allows him to travel back to like nineteen fifty something, Uh and he lives through that era so that he can try to prevent the assassination of JFK.
3: What do you have? You guys already answered that question on the previous podcast. What do you what? What were your? I would just be curious what your thoughts were. Would Would you go back? Each of you, like what? what I you,
0: I think that uh, Craig's, Craig's answer in the book, where it's like I I would just have to do it because otherwise I'd be worried those six million people would haunt me. I mean, if you're if you're given the like six million people versus one person I'm a math teacher like the like like that hands down, no problem. Like where's the gun? Like, not like I will, I would go, I would make every effort to go and, uh, and, yeah. and, and take Hitler out. I mean, I and, and I hadn't even considered it from that perspective that you offered where we know Hitler's outcome, like, what could be worse than 6 million people being killed, like euthanized,
3: you know? Yeah, if we had access to the multiverse, which posits that there are alternate universes, each with varying which I timelines.
0: In. Which I believe We could in.
3: find out, we could access what happens without yeah. Hitler. Because there's a universe right now that exists according to the multiverse theory, wherein Hitler doesn't rise to power.
2: Are we there, talking about like a it, timeline and where Bruce Wayne's parents
0: aren't killed? Is that
2: <laughs> the right. foundation Listen, of this? <laughs> Actually, right. Dave, like the,
0: here's you, like, here's mind blown. If you can, uh, if you can just accept the fact that the universe is infinite. Which I, that that's an easy, in my opinion, that's an easy one to swallow. The universe is infinite, right? But, but Jesus. No, no. No, but aliens. you know what? I'll take but Jesus. Aliens. I'll take Jesus because here's the thing if you can accept, accept that the universe is infinite, there's you know what? If it's infinite, when you apply infinity to anything, there is a world where Jesus existed and everything, all of his miracles happened. There's a world where none of it happened.
3: Yeah, it's called there's, like Litman, Ohio's Apostolic Church. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And gentlemen, this has been Long Walk, Short Drink, episode 27. Joining us has been our great friend Twinkie. Oh, man. It's Twinkie. been a great time. Thanks uh, so much for
3: having me on, guys. I really appreciate Twinkie, it. Enjoy the talk. Absolutely. Thanks for the book club work.
0: Oh, geez, man. I'm so glad that you guys had a good time with it. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, sirs. This was deeply satisfying. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Oh,
0: man, so satisfying.
3: I don't know. It's like if you had a cupcake and then it had your favorite frosting on it and it was your favorite cupcake and, and on top of frosting was your favorite sprinkles and then somebody came in and put like a cherry on top of your favoriteest 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 thing, you would just be like, how can this possibly get any better? And that's what Chris Walken is to that.